Justice. This is the best of Ron and Fez. Fez on Rock. Serious XM. Comedy. Hits. Channel 99. Billy Connolly in studio with us. It's great to see you again, my friend. How's everything? Oh, pretty much okay. Yeah. Back on the road? Yeah. The, it's still the same excitement level about being on the road as when you were younger? or It gets more kind of frightening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't. It stops being exciting and becomes terrifying. Because <laughs> you know... It's what one you... of the great disappointments of my life. I always thought as, as you go on, it would get more casual. And... <laughs> right. Dean Martinish, you know, you just got up and do it, but it seems to me to to get worse. Now, but you always say once you hit the stage, you're fine. Once you your ass is in front of the microphone, <laughs> you're you still do. nervous when you're walking towards it. <laughs> but once you're there, there's nothing to be done about it. There. Right, right. And I think something in your brain goes, "Oh well, you may as well get on with it now." <laughs> you're there. You better start talking. I wonder if this is, uh, you know, every profession. I wonder if, like, the pilot in a plane is like, Jesus, I hope this thing takes off. I'm nervous. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> Everybody's looking at me. Do you know there was a pilot in Scotland? It was about 20 years ago. He had driven to the airport, got on the plane, flown to Inverness, from Inverness to the Isle of Skye, picked up some passengers, took them back to Inverness, Inverness to Glasgow, got into his car and was driving home and he was stopped and breathalyzed and failed. <laughs> <laughs> but that's Scotland. This <laughs> 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 <a> drunk pilot. <laughs> Seems like if he wasn't drunk, he would have failed. The uh, the fun part of that, too, is he did make it. So you can't, he made really, it. Yeah, yeah. You can't complain. Safe as a house. <laughs> yeah. no, he said, I can't do it when I'm sober. <laughs> it frightens me when I'm sober. <laughs> but that is the beauty of it. Like To me, even with drunk driving, it seems like it should be a crime once you mess up. But if you make it, all right, you did it. You know, you made it home. Well, I think that's normal. I think that's what normally happens. I mean, yeah. A lot of people make it home. Uh, yeah, every once in a while, somebody will screw it up for the rest of us. And fuck the game up for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I know my, my dad could pull it off when I was a kid. We never were concerned ourselves because people didn't worry that much about drunk driving. But I remember having my feet up on the cooler sometimes, taking family vacations. <laughs> 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 you know, you just be reaching the hand in the back seat. You're like, here's one, Pops. Pretty cold. Well, I remember when drunk driving rules came in in Scotland. It was in the 60s, I think, the yeah. early 60s. And suddenly these places out of town, cabaret spots, were going out of business because yeah. nobody would drive it. And I thought, God, they must have all been pissed. <laughs> yeah. For all those years, they must have been driving <laughs> through the streets of Scotland brainless. Sure. Yeah. Sure, there was no... I mean, you have to get home. You know yeah. what I mean? You have a bar somewhere, and then you've got to get home. Well, and you see you... the cabaret place with a huge car park full of... <laughs> <laughs> people staggered. Cheerio! All the best! Oh, yeah. 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 Well, I've done it before at my house. I put drunk people in the car. You know, I had a party, and I didn't want them to sleep over. So I'm like, you can, you know, you can make... Oh, I remember a guy in Massachusetts that just dawned on me when you were saying that. And his name was Connell, and he was a doctor. And he used to come and see me at the Harp and Bard of Boston, where I was performing. It was a nightmare place. And he was always pissed and, and, and driving home. And one night, I swear this is true, 
he was smoking a cigar and he couldn't find his car. <laughs> and, and the guy at the door said, I'll help you find your car. Got his car, took the cigar from him, put it in his top pocket of his blazer. And this guy set off into the night on fire. <laughs> the following night he was back in. Oh, Billy boy! How are you? <laughs> God. Different times. Different times. You had to be helped to open the door. I mean, oh, yeah. this guy couldn't bite his nails. No, but, you know, as he's driving away, you're like, I hope he makes it. You know, I hope he's going to yeah. be okay. Car full of smoke. Sure. I saw a guy leave my house one time and hit a mailbox. He just hit a mailbox. <laughs> like, uh-oh. All right. That's going to wake him up. He'll be okay now. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think we should be laughing. <laughs> no. I, the past is always funny. That's the thing. We can't This is where it. you get these disturbing letters. I right. listened to your otherwise excellent show. <laughs> what a shame. You degraded yourself. Right. You and that lowlife Connolly. <laughs> yeah, right. Talking about drunk driving as if it was a good thing. How dare? How very dare you? Well, that's um, that's how what changed was the mothers against drunk driving because there is no defense. You know, you can't sit there and go, but we need to drive drunk. You know, <laughs> well, you can't defend that. Although it seems like there should be one window, maybe three a.m. to five a.m., where it's just for drunk drivers, no one else. A, a special lane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who else is up that time of night? Drunk drivers and fishermen. That's the only people out, 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Billy Connolly's in studio with us. He starts his Man Live U.S. tour in mm. March, March 7th and 8th at the Multibon Theater in Los Angeles, March 11th at the Balboa Theater in San Diego, March 13th in Portland, and March 15th in Seattle. You can catch all those dates on BillyConnolly.com. He's got the voice of the complainer. He does. He does. <laughs> he does. I heard your otherwise excellent show. <laughs> that Connolly's a loser mean. and a waster. <laughs> and, it's, and it is true that if he wasn't in here now, he would be complaining about this. <laughs> and later he probably will be saying to the bosses, I don't know. I didn't really like it. Yeah. Um, but this tour. He'd be sitting in his bedroom in his underwear with a laptop. <laughs> Yeah, that's me. the problem. It's so much easier to complain. In the old days, you would have had to write a letter, get posted. Well, Twitter send... proves that. Yeah. Yeah. Twitter, you can just, as you sit there, I don't like this. Yeah. You can bitch it up. And you can nail the guy personally. Yeah. Do you go on? Uh, do you do any I social... I did until I started getting all abusive stuff, and I thought, I don't need this in yeah. my life. You can't relax for a second. And you can blank them out, but I didn't know how to do that. <laughs> so I had to just get in and bear it. This bastard would turn up every day. The same guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing because, like you said, in, uh, you brought up Dean Martin. There was no way to ever reach Dean Martin back in those days. He was, to me, that was just uh, an iconic figure that was out somewhere in the universe. In the ether. Yes, it's just, he just existed somewhere outside of your reality. But now with Twitter, you can reach anyone. You could send something to Obama. You suck. You know, it just yeah, it can happen can. in a second. <clears throat> I found it quite disturbing, not the fact that he was threatening me, because that didn't disturb me, but I couldn't get him out of my head. Right. 
He, he, was, was, he was spoiling my whole day. It was like he became real to you. Yeah, you know? I kept thinking of every five minutes I'd think about him again. I thought, I don't need that bastard wandering around in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, uh, did it was you, like lice. Did you ever respond to him at first? Did you? Yeah, threatened him with all sorts of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and he, but I'll tell you, because I know the mentality, he was thrilled. A, Billy Connolly now knows who that he's alive and B he I'm you know he's thinking about me yeah yeah so he achieved his goal sure and I failed miserably <laughs> <laughs> and I don't care you don't care about I don't give a shit no. <laughs> <laughs> about anything now well most things yeah but that's a great thing to finally make it to that point you know of no longer caring. Well, it's a good thing to make it to that point in yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, I think it comes with being old. You, you, uh, you suddenly realize you've seen all this game being played before and it right. doesn't actually mean anything. Right. You know, you've seen these politicians promises time after time and it doesn't come to anything. So you say, oh yeah, it's all bullshit. Right. It is. It just, it does just play out. Over and over and over. The game is just repeated and repeated and repeated. New players and sometimes old players. They like just to get back into it one more time. Hey. I don't give a shit. No. No reason that you should. And I, I, that's why I don't get any better technically at uh, my computer or anything like that. Because I really don't give a shit. You know. <laughs> People say, have you tried Dingle Dongle? <laughs> it's better than Spotify. <laughs> I don't give a shit whether it's better than Spotify. You're, you're, now, how do you listen to your music? Do you still go back to albums, CDs, or you listen through the computer? I listen to it through the computer. Yeah. And isn't that, I mean, just think, you're a musician. Just think how that's changed production, you know? It's, I miss record stores. Sure. Because you would buy something you didn't particularly like. You know, you, it was like buying books. You would go in for one book and buy another. Right. Well, your albums were like that. You would go in for one thing and then something else would attract you. Maybe just the album sleeve. Yeah. And you would look at it and go, oh, that looks interesting. You'd read the notes on it and yeah. buy it. Well, you don't get that now. You, you go for what you want and you get it. And there's no left and right to it. Yeah. You don't, you don't get to browse. No. The same way. Well, and also you're not really, there would always be, you know, a lot of times you'd go in to buy an album and some other album was playing. Was playing. You like, see, who's that? Yeah, what's this? Yeah. And then you meet other people and they would go, oh, this, you know, I remember uh, buying albums before sometimes just to try to impress the clerk. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> 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 I'm ready for this Miles Davis. I think I've moved up into that. <laughs> I, and people used to wander around in a Saturday morning with with sort of a, the bag from record stores yeah. and an album from home in it as if they'd been <laughs> to the store and bought it and and it was it was always great to know a blues singer that no one else had heard right of. have you heard of sneaky pete elliott <laughs> no oh i like snooks mcgargle i never heard of him you'd spend your whole bloody life looking for this prick <laughs> well, I'll tell you, this is true. This, I was living in Scotland, and I and I was learning the banjo, and I got Pete Seeger's book, How to Play the Five-String Banjo. And it says in it, you don't need an expensive banjo to play. Some, some cheap banjos are great. C 
Sears and Roebuck carry them. And I thought they were a band, Sears and Roebuck. <laughs> <laughs> I was going round record stores saying, have you anything with Sears and Roebuck? <laughs> I don't know, I've never heard of them. They play cheap banjos. <laughs> but they're very good. <laughs> the guy's looking up the list. No, there's nothing here for Sears and Roebuck. What, what age was that that you, you took up banjo? I would be in my 20s, mm-hmm. about 50 years ago. So that was a game changer for you when you start to actually play music. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny when, when Pete Seeger died the other day, I just was thinking about it. It changed my life. Mm. You know, first I saw him on television on a folk program called Hullabaloo. And uh, I thought, oh, God, that's great. I must get one of those banjos and learn to play like that. And then uh, Beverly Hillbillies came on. Yeah. And I heard Bluegrass and I thought, ooh. Fancy a bit of that. But then Pete Seeger came to Glasgow and I went to see him. <clears throat> and I was still a welder then. And uh, he changed my life. I was a different guy when I left the theatre. I thought that's what I want to do. I want to play banjo and sing songs and entertain people and change the world. And he did it up to what? Like, was he like 100 or something? Uh, 93, I think. 93. And I actually just saw him like a couple years ago. In a march from, you know, against, uh, I think it was the Occupy movement where he walked from uptown all the way. Wall Street, yeah. Yeah, and everybody was following him. And I thought that's pretty amazing. He did an album when he was 91. Yeah. That's pretty hot, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing that you can keep going, you know? You can. There's no rule book. Yeah. And people keep behaving as if there was a rule book. Oh, you can't say that, and you shouldn't do that, and you shouldn't do this, and you should stop then, and you should say... And another thing is, like, I'm 71, and people keep asking me when I'm going to retire, and you have to say, none of your fucking business. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'll retire when I want to retire. Yeah. They kind of force you, you know, you have that number, therefore you should behave in this fashion. Yeah. And they do it with their clothes as well. You're that age, therefore you shouldn't wear this and you shouldn't wear... So who's write, writing these, this, this, this rule book? Yeah. It's bollocks. People who sell clothes come up and decide what clothes you should be wearing. And this year, we're all wearing beige. <laughs> <laughs> Who are we? <laughs> I'll wear beige if you fucking buy it. <laughs> You've always been that outsider, though. It's been your thing, you know, yeah. to, to not follow along. Well, I've never had the brains to conform. <laughs> See, if you conform, you get found out, you know. People say, how come you don't know that if you're one of us? But if you stand outside, you look windswept and interesting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's why you you actually want, I guess, more oppression in a society because it's easier than to rebel. Absolutely. Yeah. You should say, I'm not into money, man. It's not much better than saying I'm broke. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a thing the other day with these kids. They interviewed young kids, and they had no idea what the term sell out meant. It no longer means anything to sell out the way it did in the 60s and 70s. Well, the the, the big break for me came in, along those lines. When I was listening to a program in Britain. It's called a top of the form. It's it's a game show between schools, general knowledge, mm. one school versus another. And there was a school, <clears throat> it's in the Highlands, I forget the name of it, but it's always scores very heavily. And the question was, and this is like 10 years ago, 
Well, here's the question for John. Of the, and no conferring on this one. Finish this statement. John, Paul, George, and... And uh, we'll let you confer on this one if you can't get it. No, and we'll hand it over to the other team. <laughs> the fucking Beatles. <laughs> Nobody got it. I thought, oh, it's over. <laughs> it's done. God, it's over. I felt exactly the same as when I took my earring out. I was outside Harrods, I had my earring in, and the parking guy came along, checking the parked cars, they did an yeah. earring, I went, oh, fuck, it's over. took <laughs> 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 The second it's catching on, I'm out. I don't want to oh, do I'm it. out of there. Yeah. I stand alone, windswept and interesting. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you remember the first time you heard the Beatles? Was, was that a major thing in your life? The oh, Beatles? yeah. Yeah. There was a guy called Joe West, who was another welder. Mm-hmm. He said, have you heard Love Me Do? I said, what's that? He said, it's these guys from Liverpool, the Beatles. It's amazing. you got to hear it. And he had bought it, and they went up to his house, and they played it. The holy shit. And I still love that record. Yeah, love me too. Me it's amazing. Amazing those young guys could pull that off. Yeah. Kids. I mean, you all think they changed America, but they changed Britain first. You know, it was just as much a shock to us as it was to the world. It's insane how that happened. And then how many great bands followed right after that. Yeah. Moments after that. Absolutely. I was saying that to someone just recently. It was one of my daughters. She said, it must have been great to live through the the 60s and all that. I said, well, it was and it wasn't in as much as I, I don't know about today. I hear people talking about hits that I've never heard of, so somebody must be listening to this stuff. But uh, but I was concerned that like there would be the Kinks and the Rolling Stones and all sorts of bands, just one right after the other, and Clapton, and it just kept the animals. It just yeah. kept coming. Like every week, it seemed there was another smash hit by somebody. It doesn't seem to be like that anymore. No, it doesn't seem to be that, and it's it's no longer that thing that you'll... I think music is pleasant now, but it doesn't change. No one wants to quit their job and go do something else because yeah. they heard a record. And I think those talent shows are to blame a lot for it. Everybody sure. copying other people instead of being original. Yeah. And talk about conformity, where someone's telling you exactly how to sing, and, oh, you sang your song, now let me judge you. That was the exact opposite of what Dylan was doing. Absolutely. He, he would have judged very badly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, son, you can't sing. You can't play guitar very well. And take your harmonica out of that thing and hold it properly. He did everything wrong. He did everything wrong, and yet a generation said, you know what, I'm not going to go to war because of what this guy is singing. It's amazing. If you look back, something definitely happened, and we still haven't figured out how that wave of great music just broke at the same time. And it was everywhere. There was Dave Van Ronk and Phil Oaks, all those wonderful people just suddenly blossomed. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's happening in the village. The Liverpool, of all places, is getting music. London, the San Francisco music sounded different. The Memphis music, suddenly you had the Yeah, they sort of developed on their own. The Philadelphia sound. Yeah, the Philadelphia soul was different than the Detroit soul. And no one knows why it happened all at the same time. Well, they kind of do know. The the communications were different, and and they're... 
platform was there. Yeah. Someone there had provided a platform t for people to perform. But somebody told me, a guy in a band told me, he was doing the whiskey and he said, he's, he doesn't actually get paid to play the whiskey in Los Angeles and he has to bring an audience with him. Right. Yeah. They've reversed the game. <laughs> <laughs> These bastards have put the whole thing into reverse. Yeah. Well, here's the way it is, son. Remember, you used to have an audience. Yeah, well, now you have to go out and find them and bring them with you. <laughs> yeah, it's true. They do that with stand-ups, with the young stand-ups on open mic nights. You can get time on stage if you bring five people with you. You have to show up. I want to go on stage. Where's your Where's your five people? Here they are. Bring them in. Insane. So they do that with 20 kids, and then they get, you know, 100 people in the, in the room. By well, that's kids. definitely the answer they get is rearrange these words into a popular phrase or saying. Yourself, fuck, go. <laughs> Billy Connolly is playing Los Angeles on his Man Live U.S. tour. That starts March 7th and 8th at the Montalban Theater in L.A., March 11th at the Balboa Theater in San Diego, March 13th at the Newport Theater in Portland, and March 15th, the Moore Theater, Seattle, Washington. All those dates are at BillyConnolly.com. Not my cup of tea, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I was overruled Being by the committee. <laughs> Personally, I find the man to be a vulgarian. <laughs> a foul-mouthed vulgarian. But at least uh, feeling terror about these shows until they happen. You, you still have that terror about them walking out on stage. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It gets worse and worse. That's amazing to me. Has there ever been a time where you felt somewhat casual about heading no. up once? Maybe when I was drunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and at festivals, you know, <laughs> yeah. there would be, you know, when I wasn't booked and they would say, would you give us a song tonight? And, and I would be pissed with my friends and I'd say, yeah, sure. <laughs> Where's my banjo? Right here we go. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> but then that was as near as I ever got to it. Yeah. Well, you have opened for a lot of rock bands, which is a totally oh, yeah. different experience than just going out and doing stand-up. Yeah, I opened for Elton John in uh, 1976 in Madison Square Garden. Wow. <laughs> Oh God! And I hated it. And it was—we did an American tour, and it was terrible. It was great for him, <laughs> but I wasn't even on the bill. And I would say, "Ladies and gentlemen," and I'd be like, "Whoa, <laughs> Elton John's friend, <laughs> Billy." You wouldn't even hear Conley. <laughs> Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Fuck off! Fuck off! Fuck off! No. Frisbees. <laughs> Nightmare. Yeah. And you did that whole tour with him or just certain dates? I did the whole tour. Oh, God. And then I, I, I got a Rolling Stone and I read that Tom Waits was opening for someone else. And, he, and I, I can't remember who he was opening for. And he said it was a nightly exercise in terror. Mm. And I thought, oh, jeez, I'm not alone. Yeah. I mean, Tom Waits is a superstar. Yeah, he, he's so brilliant, but there is no one, the, the bands that he would open for would have a completely different audience than, you know, the Tom Waits. Well, audience. everybody's different from him, so it was bound to be different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was nightmarish. It was not a good thing. to. And I opened at the bottom line for horse lips. 
were an Irish rock band <laughs> and they were great. It was like, that was a great night. Um, when did you finally say, okay, it's just comedy for me and I'm just going to be out there doing stand-up? I was in Australia and I was I used to mix both the music and the comedy and I, and I forgot my instruments or somebody forgot them and left them at the hotel. And I showed up just on my own and did it and I thought, oh, this is nice. Yeah. This is... For, for about a year after that, I had them at the side curtain. <laughs> My guitar and my banjo, and, and, and they just sat there, and then I said, I'll leave them home. For a while, it was like a little security blanket yeah. over there, if I need it. It was the same when I went on to the microphone that you wear, instead yeah. of the upright one. I kept the upright, <laughs> but it was dead. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to walk around and circle it and get six feet away from it and run back. Because <laughs> I wasn't sure what to do with my body. Like three or four feet away, I went, Aah! I'm lost and run back. It's kind of weird, you know. When did you feel like you found your voice on stage when you were doing comedy? Was there a certain point where you go, okay, this is just me. This is my original vantage point. No, I've never had that moment. You've never felt that? No. Always feel like you're dragging all the other stuff along with you. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm a kind of fuck up. <laughs> no, no. I think I'm a war baby. <laughs> I cry very easily. Do you really? <laughs> what what what'll set you off? What'll make you sentimental? Little house on the prairie. <laughs> <laughs> this I can't picture. I cannot picture. It's it. the truth. I just I cry very easily, and uh, my children think it's hysterically funny. <laughs> so I'll be watching like Bambi or something. <laughs> Or Lassie movies, and I'll, I'll hear. <laughs> and I'll turn around, and my my daughter will be there with her friends, going, "Look at him, watch him," because you know the the heroine will say to the hero, "Will you marry me, George?" And I become George. I start nodding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my children go, "Oh my gosh, leave me alone! You're supposed to be involved. That's the trouble with you. You're the outside of everything." But it's easy for you to connect to that emotion. Too easy. Yeah. Yeah. Your whole life is that something you've always had, or? Oh, it seems to be getting worse yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's falling apart with you now, Billy. There's nothing. We can... <laughs> There's nothing we can do about it. Sex life and tatter. <laughs> Everything's falling to bits. Can't go jogging because bits fall off me. And yet, I don't think you could be more popular than you are right now. You've 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 made it into that place where I think everyone appreciates you. We're no longer waiting for you to go out and you know battle it out and please us. We're like, yes, look what he's done with his life. I keep getting proof of this, but it takes a while to sink in. You're not going to let it sink in. In Glasgow, they've got a statue of me, <laughs> and it's it's not a statue. It's, an, it's on a wall. It's made of metal. And it's down where I was born, and it's in the side of a building that's about 20 feet high of me with my banjo and my hair flying. <laughs> and I say, I mean, I should be pleased. Sure. I should pass it in genuflect. And was, <laughs> but I don't. It's, it's kind of, I kind of try to avoid it. <laughs> I find it slightly embarrassing. But can you imagine the pride? They're proud of you that you went out and did something. Oh, my something. sister loves it. She drives past it and drives her friends past. Look, there he is. <laughs> that's my wee brother. <laughs> And it's kind of weird, you know. Sure. 
But it's very pleasant. Well, no one would have picked this for you. No one would have thought, oh, look at this guy welding. I'm sure he's going to go out and entertain the world. So that's the lovely thing about show business. Nobody picks it for you. Mm. Nobody believes you. You tell your parents you're going to do it. <laughs> Everybody, whether it's singers or magicians or comedians. I remember I said to my dad, I want to be a comedian. And he said, but you're not funny. <laughs> I said, well, if I wanted to be a welder, you wouldn't say, but you can't weld. <laughs> you go and learn how to do it. Right. But that's true. Like, even Mick Jagger's parents went, I don't know. You know, maybe yeah. you should have something to fall back on. Absolutely. <laughs> you get the impression you should wander around with a mattress tied to you. you know, there's something to fall back on. Why do you keep carrying that mattress everywhere? <laughs> something to fall back on. Oh, my God. But you knew once you got out, you were going to keep going no matter what. Oh, yeah. yeah. But see, I was very lucky because it was the 60s and people were growing their hair and no ass in their trousers and wandering about playing banjos and mm. being paid to do it. It was lovely. Life was good. And people say that the hippie thing made no difference. It made a huge difference. It brought optimism right. to, to Britain. They had never been there before, especially Scotland. You know, in Scotland, when the sun comes out, they say, oh, fuck, we'll pay for this. <laughs> Winter will be six months long. Right. Because I've got a tan in June. But, but, you know, there was no optimism. Yeah. And people didn't tell each other they loved each other. My father never said I love you in his life to me. What would he say instead? Nothing. Just nothing. Get on with it. <laughs> Go to your work. Get up. Go on. Go to Mass. Why haven't you been to Mass? Get out of this house. You know, they believed in being strict. They'd been through a depression and a war. Yeah, I mean, there was probably no reason for them to think no. things would get better. Yeah, so they thought that making you eat Brussels sprouts was going to make the world a better place. <laughs> it was weird. And now, look, you've, you've proved everybody wrong. Because now, look, people are closer to the way you think than yeah. they were back then. Aye, just yeah. culturally, everything has changed. Yeah. But you've had something to do with that change. Oh, I hope so. I don't think so, but I, I would like to hope I had a little pinky in the water when the tide was changing. Sure. You know, like if you look at the biggest social change in my life is, is, is the acceptance of homosexuality. People don't really realize because they've lived through, or, or even the, the, the attitude to black people and black mm. culture. They don't realize because they've lived through the civil rights changes how awful it was before, you know? Absolutely. When people, I mean, I remember speaking to Natalie Cole about her father. I said, God, he couldn't even live in the hotel that he was playing in Las Vegas. She said he couldn't come in the front door. He had to go through the kitchen. He's top of the bill. Isn't that amazing? You can't believe you lived in a world like that. Or, I, or if you look at homosexuals and the freedom, that now there's people fighting for them to be married. And like In Scotland, they just passed the Marriage Act for same-sex couples. I never thought I'd see that in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a thing to celebrate and ring bells and go into the street and dance. I think, you know, we've come a long, long way. Absolutely. And when people say, oh, the world's a terrible place. No, it isn't. When I was born, Germans were dropping shit on my town. <laughs> you know, yeah. bombing London and Glasgow, and your father was in India and fighting the Japanese. And 
you know what? The world's a good place. And and I think, uh, in no small part, and I mean this, my friend, to the kind of comedy you bring. I really do mean that. I, I think that uh, that what you've done with your career just proves it to a lot of young people that you can just go out there and speak your mind. Yeah, it's it's a lovely thing, you know. It's uh, I was speaking to Craig Ferguson about it, and uh, and he he said that I was a huge influence on him, and it, it shook me to the soles of my feet. You know, I mean, my God, I never thought of an influence people. We have. But it's nice to just do it. Just go on with it. I think if you try to do it, it becomes deeply suspect, you know. I'm always very wary of those guys who talk to the audience. You know you could do this. I came from nothing. I was brought up in dire circumstances. My father used to beat me with a live cobra just because I wouldn't do my homework. And, it, you know, I'm always suspicious of people like that. Sure. Just go on with it. But that's the thing. Like, I've never seen you ever even look ambitious. You know what I mean? You just go out and no, do I'm your stuff. No, I'm the least ambitious guy <laughs> yes. in the world. Although I do surround myself with ambitious people <laughs> who shove me and prod me and mercilessly goad me to go to work. Well, you got to make sure you see this tour, Billy Connolly, back out. Fez, where can we see him? This is the Man Live U.S. tour, March 7th and 8th at the Monoban Theater in Los Angeles. March That's a lie. That's true. <laughs> it's on your website. March 11th, the Balboa Theater at San Diego, California. March 13th, Newmark Theater in Portland. And March 15th. No such place. And March 15th, the Moore Theater in Seattle. All those dates are on BillyConnolly.com. Billy, great to see you again, my friend. Oh, it's a pleasure. And best of Good luck with everything you Thank do. Thank you very, See you very next much. time. More Ron, more Fez. This is the best of Ron and Fez on Raw Dog. Serious XM Comedy Hits. Channel 99. Stand by for more of the best of Ron and Fez. Ron and Fez on Raw Dog. Raw Dog. Raw Dog. Serious XM Com- Comedy Hits. We are like, what? What do these guys play on this show? Anyway, what is that? What is that song that just repeats and repeats, and I'm never quite sure what it said. Something's gone wrong in the neighborhood, or something like that. The uh, Joan and Melissa Joan knows best premieres Saturday, March 29th, uh, ten o'clock on the East 9th Central on We TV. Not that everyone doesn't know this because you've gone viral again over this. RJ thing is... Thank God, yeah. yeah. I, Ray I didn't J. expect it. Ray, Ray J. J. Ray J. Ray J. Ray J. Ray J. Ray J. Yeah. What does it matter? <laughs> good looking is good looking. Yeah, we did a point. Uh, nobody has ever thought of doing uh, an old, a slightly older woman. Uh-huh. 
The last one I did was with Moses. There's a reason. <laughs> There's a reason because I, you know. But the nice thing is, we did it in a very dark room. <laughs> now, now you say that, but I honestly think that the episode that you did with Louis C.K. was incredibly sexy. Incredibly but he sexy. He made it sexy. Yeah. He went after. He really started yeah. up with me. Yes, he that did. That was all improv. Is that right? All <laughs> improv. What are you doing? <laughs> But he's I thought so it really good. worked. I thought it was amazing. Yeah, I thought it was a great episode. I think yeah. he's a great filmmaker. Yeah. But you guys, I, I hope you go back and do the show again because... Well, tell him that. Yeah, I will. I will I'll stay on him about that. His uh, season starts up again pretty soon. Um, Melissa, for you, is this show crazy for you to be you know, doing this, you and your mom out here, on this kind of reality show stuff? Is it crazy? Yeah, I mean, you um, are really putting a lot out there. Oh, absolutely. But it's nice because I find that people now understand why I am the way I am. Okay. It explains my psychoses now. <laughs> um, yeah. See, really? It's because of that. No. Um, I don't know. I haven't. Th- I don't really think about it anymore. Really? I'm, I'm, but I'm, You're that I'm, comfortable with it. But I'm, I'm also very clear as to where my lines are. Mm-hmm. But her lines have changed in four years. Is that right? Oh, God, yeah. I think it's a much wilder show. It's a much funnier show. I think this season, and I'm not just saying this, like, yeah. people always go, this is a great season, then it sucks. But uh, this is a terrific season because she also finally said, oh, f- fuck it. Right. All right, film it. Let it go. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, the boyfriend, the difference with you in bed with the boyfriend well, can- now than two years ago. <laughs> Lot more, you know. We got to see you, but also, boobies and but also, I, I'm very also, I'm also very clear on where my line with my son is. Uh huh. So. That's the only important yes. thing to you. Well, that's, that's all that point. matters. Yeah. We'll that, that's nice. We'll change that's that nice. season five. <laughs> that's nice, mother. That's I'm, lovely. I'm throwing that's it into the mix nice. season five. <laughs> that's um, that's you know. See, to me, to you know, a lot of these shows, you have to come up with things yes. for the people to do. But you have Joan Rivers, a, a comedic genius, on the show. I imagine they're just going to let you run with ideas, right? The joke is that we would send film in or tape into we. Yeah. And they would say, no, no, no. We want reality here. And we, Melissa would say to them, No, that actually happened. Right. That happened. That absolutely happened. And then they go, Oh, okay. Is there a certain freedom, though, when you put so much stuff out there that, you know, now nobody can hurt you with anything, though? Is it. Oh, people can hurt you all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, I don't think putting it out there has anything to do with people hurting you. In the, I mean, we're not. Do we're not tabloid people, right? So it's not you know, there's nothing anyone, there's no deep dark skeleton that something's gonna pop out, and unless there's something you haven't told me, right? I'm hoping, yeah. But Joan, I'm always hoping they'll find out something. I was thinking when you just said we're not tabloid people. Were you like one of the first comics to really use the tabloid stories on stage, though? And was anyone probably? Doing, yeah, I, I don't was know. The if first, any, first one to really say, which goes back to the red carpet. Yeah, that this one's a drunk, and this one's a this, right. and this one's a that. People are always so scared to say anything negative about our stars in those days. Yeah, exactly. And the very strange thing about comedy is like every other art form, we always give credit to the people who did stuff first. 
And for some reason in comedy, we never do that. We just... Because well, nobody really knows who's done what. Yeah. You know, it's not like putting a song out where you can say Elvis was the first to do this. Right. Uh, I know when uh, David Brenner passed away the other day, we got around saying, you know, critically, David Brenner, is a gigantic amount of people followed him what he but did. But he was gone. I find fame very interesting. You ask... 12 people on the street, if they're under 30, who he is, they wouldn't have a clue. Which is fascinating because he was one of the very first to really bring observational humor. Absolutely. Absolutely. To the mainstream. Oh, yeah. God, was he funny. He was so funny. And I think, I, I might be wrong with this, weren't you and David the first time two comics went first out? First time mm-hmm. two comics went out. Melissa was a little girl. Mm-hmm. She went on tour with us. Yeah. And we went out and we didn't know who would go first and who would go second. Yeah. And so we would toss a coin backstage. Every night it would every be... Every night. And every night it turned out... <laughs> David went first. <laughs> <laughs> Two-headed coin? But we toss that coin every night. But, because, uh, you know, that whole thing, well, who's first? I've never believed in that. Right. I've always said, if you can't... I like to go on early mm-hmm. and knock them out and walk away. Okay, job done, going yeah. home. And, uh... Uh, a lot of people say, "Well, you got a headline. I got to be the next to last." No, you no, crazy. and then you guys close, always closed the show together. Then we then we'd come back and we'd take questions to the audience. And he was genius at that. Yeah, and like you said, for some reason we don't hold if if a if a, if any kind of movie star from any era dies, you oh know, they God. get all the accolades yeah. in the world. But there's something about comedy. Are the lowest form of human. <laughs> Right. Uh, showbiz endeavor. My mother, to the day she died, never said I was a comedian. She said she's a writer. Is that right? I was hosting the Carson show. <laughs> she's a writer. She's a writer. So proud of her. She's yeah. a writer. Yeah. That is the strangest thing. Yeah. Uh, well, comics about comedy. always think of garbage. I wonder hey, why. Take my <laughs> three nuns and a rabbi. We're eating the chicken. You know? <laughs> I'd like you to expand on where that one was about to go. I was loving it though. Yeah. It was really good. Three nuns and a, a rabbi chi- eating the chicken. chicken. I know I'm going somewhere for and a and watch joke. And they went into the bar to get a napkin, and yeah. the bartender said it was a midget. Yeah, <laughs> behind the bar with a duck on his head. Joan, as long as long as you've been doing this, you're still jotting jokes down. Constantly. Excuse me. Yeah. Excuse Going into me. the purse. <laughs> Look at this. Yeah. What do you want to talk about? This is what I was thinking about last night because I'm not doing all these things. Yeah. Yeah. That is amazing. There's just little pieces of scrap paper, scrap paper. and it's just always going. That was from the breakers in West and Palm Beach. This is from, there were most of them from, from uh, yeah, look at this. This is from another place. I can't even read where it's from. Hotel. Uh, the hotel something in uh, can't even read it you know and you're still just writing it down on scrap paper yeah. napkins wherever you don't wherever. think there it is yeah Oops. that is amazing okay. Okay. don't touch it that's a joke <laughs> okay. yeah yeah you never stop because you don't know when it's going to be funny thank right. you so much someone, someone just picked it you don't know when it's going to be funny and if you don't have a piece of paper and a pencil you're a fool because it's gone right but I don't or think you put it in your phone. I don't think that most people phone, get yeah. though that it's like a twenty-four hour job, you know. But it's so much fun. You still enjoy oh, it just God, as much. When they laugh, I you know you write you think of a joke, and then you go and you say it, and they laugh, and you know, bingo, oh, it's yeah. great. And then when they don't laugh, it's like kill your babies. That's still after all this time, just it hurts Holy. just as much. 
I said something the other night, and then we'll go back, and I don't mean to... Uh, I was talking about how I hate children. I really don't <laughs> like children. And uh, Sophie's Choice... <laughs> Meryl Streep's the only show I didn't like her in because when she got a check, she got rid of them both. <laughs> Take them both. I'm out of here. I'm single again. And the audience went, oh. and he thought, well, okay. Okay. Okay, not, next. Not working. <laughs> Is, uh, what's it been like for you, though, Melissa? Like, now you say your your son's kind of dealing with what your childhood was like, right? Where Very similar. Yeah. Very similar. Except he's getting a double dose because he has mommy and grandma. Right. Um, but he knows. He, he gets it. He knows. I had Cooper in December. Mm-hmm. And I was back on the red carpet for the Golden Globes, which is the, usually the third week of January or the second week of January. So I literally went right back to work less than six weeks after I had my son. Yeah. And I just picked him up and took him. And off we went to the dressing room. So it's just like me. He's just never known any other life. He does get a double dose. He, however, has realized that my mother and he are kindred spirits. Is that right? In the sense of they have the common enemy, which is me. (laughs) His first words were room service. (laughs) Room service. (laughs) No, but they do. They have a common enemy, Mm -hmm. and that'd be me. But you know that is life, right? I mean, it's the family business. If you're, yes. you know, if you're a family or fisherman, you're out on the boat exactly. as a young age. Exactly. If they have a restaurant. You're bussing tables. Yes. So, it, 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 so to him, it's very, very yeah. normal. Right. I think that we put a, a too big of an emphasis on what normal is well, because what, what's so great well, about that anyway? No, but to me, normal is the family values. Right. Normal is Oy. not necessarily the the structure in which they're taught. Mm-hmm. I had a very normal childhood in very extraordinary circum- surroundings and right. circumstances. But I still had the basic normal But, but you felt childhood. like this is a safe place and these people... Well, no, I've never felt safe. But <laughs> that's really between me and my therapist and we don't have enough time for that nor is it appropriate. I think that's the next booth over. Wouldn't that be... That would be the, the, the show to do is just you and your therapist for a while. Yeah, it would be. But I'm also the one that calls my therapist because my therapist says, you know what, I'm a canceling today and he says why and I said because I'm having a good day I don't feel like dredging up my past and getting depressed mm. you know I'm that I'm that patient I'm like yeah I'm fine we taught yeah. her very good things we taught her you know marry for money mm-hmm. <laughs> Never took, deep <laughs> values sell your body don't be a fool yeah. fake yeah. orgasm what does it yeah. matter there's plenty of pieces of your soul to sell oh for God's sakes it's a family business so were, you, were you out on the road too mm-hmm. Melissa so you were saying when oh, the- I remember being out there with my mom and David Brenner I remember yeah. being babysat by Gary Shanley I remember, I mean, those, Billy and that's, Crystal. And Billy, I mean, that's where my son's um, experience is different because I'm not on the road as much. Right. I don't go and do stand up. I don't do concerts. You know, when I travel for work, generally I try and keep it on, on a shorter time span. I'm not on these huge tours, but when I am, I take them. Yeah. You know, but for him, normal is, well, we, re- normal, normal is prepping for a red carpet or fashion police or the, re- well, or the reality. I mean, literally we shoot in my house. Our bedrooms are upstairs. We live over at the shop. Mm. But also when we were doing In Bed with Joan, which is on the internet, he ran the camera the first two shows. Well, he's got to work. you got to earn your keep in our house. Or very early, earn your keep. Yeah. And then he was very upset because the show started to do well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In Bed with Joan dot com. And, and he thought he was going to be getting out of school to do this. <laughs> and suddenly we had a real cameraman. Like, What's yeah. up with that? Remember that? Yeah. That was not, not ha- happy. Not happy. So my mother did explain to him, that was the funniest thing you've said to him in a long time. Mm. The other day, when you said to him, you know that at 21 we present you with a bill. Yeah. 
Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's enough for free, Cooper. <laughs> you get a bill at 21. Getting a fucking bill here. Okay, but he just got his braces off. He's like, oh, I'm so happy they're off. And she goes, oh, you weren't going to be happy when you get the bill. <laughs> what bill? Like, oh, at 21, you get a full itemized bill. Wouldn't that be amazing? Like, yeah. here it is. Here right? it is. I hope you enjoyed your stay. Don't worry, don't worry about college loans. You owe mommy a lot. Right. <laughs> Uh, Lose another retainer, why don't you? Joan and Melissa, Joan Knows Best, premieres Saturday, March 29th, uh, 10 p.m. in the East on TV. And then you're going to be appearing in New York City at the uh, Beachman Theater always. April 1st. And, I, I, and I'm and i always there, by the yeah, way. You, you know, love that place. I love it. Uh, I just look it up when I'm there. If I have a free night and I'm in New York, I go there. And I just... I hate the term, I riff. There's yeah. nothing like an 80-year-old woman trying to say, you know, because I'm still from the era where you say hep. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's hep. Who were the comics when you were breaking in? Who were the comics? The most the amazing time. George Carlin, Richard Pryor. I'm talking about sitting in a row yeah. at the bitter end with a number. Wow. George... Uh, Woody was there, Woody Allen, really? Lily Tomlin, uh, Bob Dylan was walking around the middle of winter without a coat or a yeah. scarf, uh, uh, Cosby. Wow. Yeah, it was amazing. I put that line up against anybody, the, yeah. the people yeah. waiting at the bitter end. All waiting to go on. All waiting to go on. And all of us did well. And we had dinner one time, Cabot. Yeah. We had dinner about, uh, we did some comedy show for some charity, and it was about six years ago. And it was uh, Woody and Cabot and um, Pryor was still around then. And we were all having dinner. And it was so nice because anybody could pick up the check. Anybody could grab it yeah, then. It was such a nice feeling. We all... So they let me have it. <laughs> so suddenly everyone got kangaroo arms. Suddenly, they all suddenly... <laughs> <Little> kangaroo <laughs> arms. No one can reach for that. Delitamide. Delitamide. Alligator. And again, you know, we talk about that with comedy, that they'll go back and make, you know, movies and documentaries about early scenes. But that scene that you were talking about is just extraordinary. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. real American history. Those are the people that shaped comedy over the next few decades. And what I say to comics, and I really believe this, if you're good, it's going to happen. It right. may happen at a different time. I was the last one through. Mm-hmm. Absolutely the last one through. Uh, but eventually it's going to happen. And but, you just have to know that. Larry David, 20 damn years. Right. You know, before anybody said, hey. Right. That guy's good. Oh, God, is he good. Yeah. What about, we always do this thing called the comedian that changed your life. Was there some comedian that you looked at or, oh. and so. Oh, don't even yeah. finish the sentence. Yeah. Lenny Bruce. Lenny Bruce. Nothing to discuss. Nothing to discuss. I was lucky enough. We were at the bid around holding the numbers. He was across the street at a place called Cafe Wa getting busted. And we were able to run across and see him. Can't touch him. Nobody still can touch him. And you wonder if he was alive, what he'd be talking about now. Yeah. What was it about him that, that made him that leap, you think, that went out? I told the truth. Mm. I know this sounds stupid, and that's what I try to do. Told the truth. And also sexy as hell. Such a... Oh, oh, oh you have no idea. The women were mad about him. And the men loved him because he was a man's man mm-hmm. and told... The truth. I would go around and he knew, you know, like all this stuff now. And I do it in my act. He'd say, yeah, you're a nigger, you're a wop, you're a kike, you're a frog, you're a chinkarino. Everybody's something to stop it. Yeah. And you went, yeah. yeah. And then he would do the act. 
It was amazing. It was amazing. Isn't it funny that he was doing that 50 years ago and we still let words hurt us today? And, and what are we going to do? And He did something yeah. that was so nice for young people. I was... I'm so sorry because I, I should let Melissa talk. Or, eh. Yeah, but she's heard this story a million times. Uh-huh. Um, I was at the bitter end doing my own act and bombing, and uh, he came over one night and he sent me a note. You're right, they're wrong. Held it in my bra, and went on, and I ended up on Carson. Blah blah blah. And I'm sitting with George Carlin one night years later. We're both okay now, and I said to George, "You know what kept me going." Lenny Bruce came over and saw me and sent me a note. You're right, they're wrong. He said he sent me the same note. So I think he sent it to every comedian around. That's so great. How sweet in a way. He would see a comedian, he would send them a note. You're right, they're wrong, Lenny Bruce. And that's, you know, what's great is like that goes back to that Louis episode where he came up and, you know, it was so rough and you just, your character just gave him so much shit. You, you just keep going, keep you know, going. keep was, going no matter what's happening. Yeah, it was, it was a whole different era. It's so great to have you guys in here. I'm, I'm happy that uh, things are working out for you. It's uh, Joan and Melissa Rivers. Joan Knows Best premieres Saturday, March 29th, 10 o'clock on the East We TV. Thank you so much, guys. Listening to the best of Ron and Fez on Raw Dog Serious XM Comedy Hits Channel 99. You're listening to the best of Ron and Fez on Raw Dog Serious XM Comedy Hits Channel 99. Oh, you know, well, I. I I got phenomenal positive feedback about you doing the show too, man. <laughs> that was really cool. You were great on Unmasked. Well, you uh, like every comic I talk to, they always, they really respect your ability to talk to comics in particular. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a fun time. Well, you uh, obviously, you know, from your book, uh, you're one of the more <laughs> honest people in the history yeah, of the world. It's one of those things where you want, might as well not go half-assed with something like that. Yeah. <laughs> this was actually two-ass. This was so... It was double, triple-ass. Yeah. yeah, it was such a... I had to. What are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there was so many... You know, they say that things have a lot of highs and lows, but this this book had so many lows and even lower, you know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's it. That's what sells. Yeah. <laughs> I think your years of being on Howard prepared you to be so honest, right? Because nothing gets unsaid. Yeah, well, that was a, those were my favorite kind of comedians, the guys who could take tragic shit in their life and make it funny like Richard Pryor and stuff, yeah. you know, but and then, you know, Howard is the king of the, you know, honesty, you know, that's for sure. I you was, uh, I'm glad that you heard positive things. Oh, God, a mil- so, like a flood of them, yeah. flood of them, yeah. Nowadays with social media, you hear that stuff immediately, it's not yeah. even, you know, it's like right in your face. Uh, so. You are also one of my favorite people because you do TV dressed as a radio guy, <laughs> and I'm really <laughs> hoping that catches on, because no one really likes to do TV. Yeah, you know what I, mean? No, I, I mean, that's another thing. I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm going to go and try to look like one of the cast from Dawson's Creek when <laughs> right. I'm on television. <laughs> I mean, what's wonderful is you don't worry about posture. No. You know what I mean? And no. when you do radio or stand-up, you want to be comfortable, and then they take those people and put them on TV, and it's the worst. You do get used to it. You know yeah. who's the craziest, and I love him, but Mad Dog Russo, when he's on television, yeah. the, the twitching and the... Yeah. I mean, he looks like he just got out of a mental home, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but he got a 
it rip. Whatever makes you feel good. Yeah, the posture is something that's funny. That's what my mother notices whenever I'm on a talk show. Yeah. Can you sit up straight? <laughs> so you mean I don't have to dress up for the show? No. <laughs> radio. Yeah. You seriously, uh, you dress like you're doing a runway show. <laughs> I actually am. That's yeah, it. Yeah, this is what I got. Like so yeah. <laughs> I, but I, but I, you know, we'll tease about that. But I think we'd all dress like that if we were tiny. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, if I could fit in that stuff. It helps. It helps. Yeah, it helps. Absolutely. If I could fit in that stuff, absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I, but, but with Howard, I got so comfortable. The first year I tried to look good because it was also on television. Yeah. But then 6 a.m., I just gave up. By the end, I looked like a homeless person in yeah. the back yelling out stupid shit. Like, but, you know. but the posture thing is great because I don't think you can be funny and worry about what your hands are doing. <laughs> no, that's what I was trying to tell up. my mother. I can't. Yeah. I don't care about my hair. and the, I got to worry yeah. about the jokes. Right. And the story being good. That's what I'm going to be judged on. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's going to go, God, Artie's shirt didn't match his belt. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible appearance. <laughs> you, know. you love the sports stuff. And I'm a sports fan. Yeah. Were you surprised uh, that the NFL stopped in and made Arizona make this move? Uh, well, again, it's all about money. Arizona's one of those crazy states where you don't know, you ever know what's going on. Yeah. But they want another Super Bowl there, and yeah. you know, political correctness is running rampant. I mean, that law was archaic. It was yeah. just ridiculous. Yeah. I think the governor made a. Who knows what she's thinking? I don't want to speak for her, but yeah. she made ultimately, and this is sad to say, but I think a business decision. Yeah, a money decision. Yeah, yeah. You know, Arizona wants another Super Bowl. It's a perfect place for it, and uh, yeah. that's uh, they're not going to get it with that kind of attitude. <laughs> right. Well, the weird thing is, if you ever been out in Arizona, some oh, of it's way God, yeah, yeah. new agey, and it's like where hippies went, you know. Yep. And then other parts, I guess, are just super conservative. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, well, I I've done a lot of stand up at the uh, improv in Tempe, mm -hmm. which is basically on Arizona State's campus. Right. Uh, beautiful women and everything, but it's young people, and you get that young vibe where anything mm -hmm. goes. But yeah, if you, you know, it's like Florida to a certain extent, too. You got Miami. Yeah. Uh, looks like, uh, you know, the set of a, of a gay porn. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and then you make two right turns, and it's everybody looks like Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Know? Well, it's always funny when you're in Florida. If you can't see the water, you're in the deep south. <laughs> I mean, right. So the second you you're off the beach, you're like, who the fuck are these people? <laughs> well, it's, <Yeah>. e <laughs> it's either everybody has thirty two beautiful teeth or no teeth at all. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly, there's no yeah. in between. Yeah. It's just some guy in an alligator hat. Fucking, what are you doing in our town? <laughs> right. You're like just looking for the beach. A man. hat that was an alligator thirty minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and, and, and you know, right? Exactly. That's where the woman had the chimpanzee as a, as a, 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 a face pet, off, that tore her yeah, face yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you again, and then you can make a couple other right turns that are wrong and uh, you're in little Cuba right. and you could be killed it's it's Arizona's similar to that yeah Arizona and it doesn't surprise me is what right. I'm trying to say what they did with well that. they did that and you brought up the political correctness and uh, now they're going to start and give 15-yard penalties for language. Yeah, the N-word. Yeah, and who it, is that going to affect most, by the way? It's going to affect black players, Well, right? that's what they... Yeah, I because black players in, use it more than anyone else. My co-host on the show I do now, uh, John Ritchie, was seven years in the NFL. And he goes, Art, that's all the black guys used to call each other. Right. And, uh, you know, I guess it's the ref's call. But um, if they enforce that strictly, there's not going to be a game. Yeah, <laughs> I exactly. mean, Cat Williams, I think, was going to be a punter. 
for the Giants, and now forget that. That's too bad. That's too bad. I would have loved to have seen that. Instead of Omaha, he would have been like, nigga, no. That would have been his Omaha. Yeah. As a way of, now we're going to have white men, little white men, telling black men what they can call what they each can say. By the way, right, exactly. the political correctness exactly. is the cover of the Daily News a few days ago, it, it, the pussies have taken over. They had a, a, a referee blowing a pink whistle, throwing a pink flag for breast cancer awareness for someone saying the N-word. Yeah. That's it. Why not just make it too anti-touching women play? You know, I mean, come on. It's football. And it's funny. I was going to tweet about it's it. It's football. I was going to tweet about it, and I was afraid to because these days people take things that you tweet the wrong way. Oh, absolutely. Well, well these days, yeah, whatever. tweeting, yeah, right. And tweeting, I, you can get yourself in so much people trouble. People don't understand by... sarcasm. A whole generation doesn't understand sarcasm. And they don't care what the context is. If you say, I, yeah. I know this from stand-up, the new stand-up crowds. I was talking to David Tell about this recently. These younger kids who are very politically correct and were brought up in the MTV generation of public service announcements where don't say, don't say this and don't yeah. say that. And uh, as soon as you say a word, no matter what the context is, you can't get out of that hole. You can't you're think done, out. Yeah. You're done. They think you're in the clan. They oh, actually they, boo. You know. They start to boo. Yeah. Sometimes when All you, you can do something. to get out of any kind of trouble is apologize, apologize. So just like I'm taking class. You know, you'll see these <laughs> comics now. Look, I've never understood how difficult that word affects right, people. Right. I'm now taking classes. <laughs> so I would never say such a horrible and, thing. And, and, and comics should be making fun of it like we're right. doing right now, not taking those classes. Yeah. It's horrible. I, I recently, I, you know, I've been doing stand-up for 25 years I do it at the comedy cellar all the time I've been a regular there for a long long time and I I bombed there recently and stand up keeps you humble like you like you could still bomb yeah there was that's uh, amazing uh, two German kids in the front row with heavy German accents and um, the uh, I I said uh, do you like American game shows and they said yeah and I said well we're gonna play an American game show uh, do you like the twenty thousand dollar pyramid and they said yeah okay well here the, the category is words that end in igger <laughs> <laughs> That's all I had to say. And in a German accent, they keep going, and they're like, you're not going to get me with this. And then they, they, the crowd turned on me because they thought yeah. I was trying to get them to say that. You know, so, and then I, think I couldn't dig out of the hole. I bombed miserably. <laughs> How do you feel when you bomb, though, with the way your career's been? Well, it's 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 not a common occurrence, thank God, yeah. anymore, but it's the loneliest feeling. It's still, it's right? The, it's but still it still bothers you? It means you're still trying. you right. got to take risks to write new material. And yeah. again, the new generation, everybody's on tape, so they're afraid of bombing mm -hmm. all the time, so they won't take a risk. they got that seven minutes that kills. Yeah, They'll always do that because they know if they're on tape on the Internet, it looks like they're killing. But they won't do the risky new stuff because they're afraid of bombing on the Internet because mm -hmm. they'll be put up a, right, people in a up on their phones right away. The, 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 it's the feeling of like you feel like you just want to like put your hands out and disappear into the back of the stage <laughs> and never come back again. You just want to. It's the loneliest, depressing. It's like okay, here's my magic power. I can just leave this this earth for but a while. To counteract Artie's bombing story, I was there once when he got a standing ovation just for walking out on the stage before oh, he started his act. Sure. I think it was at town hall. Yeah. I had never seen that before. Artie Lang and the audience stood up. Usually, if you're gonna get a standing O. It's after your body performed. of work. And there are my fans are lazy bastards. To get them to stand is a big thing. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting thing, stand up. You know, it is, um, and it can. Well, because no one actually knows why they're funny. Yes, you learn craft, but it's what you're kind of born with. I think that you definitely yeah that that gives you the mm -hmm. ride. 
And the, because you don't can't take too much credit for it, you never know when it's going to leave. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it could be gone. You never know. You yeah. never know. I mean, again, I, I've been lucky. I've been around a while. But you get like, uh, in a way, sometimes you get bored as a stand-up. But you almost like it better when you're bombed because it's yeah. something different. <laughs> it's a, you start to get bored with the, you know the material that'll kill. And you get lazy. You yeah. get lazy. Like, it's just almost like a robot. I say this, they'll laugh, you know. And, uh, uh, but... Um, um, yeah, you and like sometimes you get laughs different. on lines that you didn't expect to get laughs on. You, Absolutely, you know, and the ones that you're counting on, they don't react sometimes. Yeah. Well, the direct opposite is true. They talk about the political, political correctness. The direct opposite is true when you're somewhere maybe in the South and they laugh at something where you go, whoa, I'm basically at a Klan meeting. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you're going to be at Caroline's uh, March 7th and 8th. That's right. And then uh, April 5th, you're going to be in Ridgefield Playhouse in Connecticut. The book Crash and Burn is out. Now, how did you do over this winter? Did you have an okay Christmas? Because in the book, yeah. Christmas is a problem area. I did fine. Good. I'm okay. Uh, in the book, you know, I was on a, I put on a big uh, tour, which is another test for me. With uh, with uh, these, these book tours are just crazy, but uh, good people around me, and uh, I, everything went fantastic. It, it uh, debuted on the New York Times bestsellers list, and it's coming out in paperback in June. That's so, fantastic! Amazing, amazing. Yeah, yeah. But the level of honesty is beyond comprehension. Can you imagine telling so much about yourself? Yeah. Well, it's I just... mean, listen. When you have, if you're going to write a book nowadays, and you have a story where you rip your pants on stage at the Playboy Mansion, you might as well tell it. You know? Yeah. Well, I'm actually not dishonest in a meeting. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't worked my way up where I would tell that. But that's actually really, you know, in the way of trying to do better, that is, to me, in a lot of ways, is real first step stuff. you got to get out there. Oh, that, it must be very right. freeing. Yeah. It must that's be very freeing to be able to. Yeah. There's no secrets anymore. You're able to, when you're able to do that on stage, that's a good point. When you, you talk about the steps and everything, yeah. If you're able to do that on stage, it's very cathartic in a lot of ways. Yeah, Because yeah. now anybody who palms you a fucking gram is a really an <laughs> asshole. But you they're out I mean? there, man. Yeah, oh yeah, oh, they are out there. It's, Sometimes they're in the form of a hot chick, which is the devil. Right. Mm -hmm. exactly. Absolutely. Hot Absolutely. chick with an eight ball. That is the devil mm -hmm. incarnate. You That's know. what no one else could <laughs> understand. It's somebody wants to do. You know, anyone else in a meeting would have no idea the extra temptation yeah. that you're dealing with. Yeah. Well, you know. Listen, I mean, it's basically them saying, I, I, for for the story of hanging out with you for a night in Pittsburgh, I don't yeah. care if you die. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, exactly, you might right. die, but I got a story. Right. I just think back to those pictures uh, Farley, uh, of Farley that, that that hooker he was yeah. with took. Oh, my God. Talk about just a soulless human being. She's, he's dead there, basically, and she's taking pictures with him. And it's so heartbreaking to anyone because I've never met Farley, and I love the guy. Yeah. I work I, with him on a movie, the last movie he ever did is a movie called Dirty Work. Um, yeah, Norm, right. Me and Norm MacDonald did a buddy movie. He had a supporting role. He was hilarious. I knew him for two weeks doing that and then the last week of his life, basically, I hung out with him a little bit, but I never used with him, thank God, because that guilt would be crazy. But you could tell it was a matter of time. Just like yeah. a lonely guy, but the funniest motherfucker. Just a hurricane walking into a room. Yeah. It was just great, funny. You Does know? that kind of stuff fuck with you like Phil Hoffman this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, listen, when I saw the cover of the post with Philip Seymour Hoffman, it was like, I didn't need to use a mirror that day. <laughs> right. <laughs> I wow. 
saw what I looked like. Uh, you know, thank God I just I look like that all the time. I don't have to be on heroin. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's when a talent that big goes. Right. It's um, that's sad. You know, him and Farley when the, when it takes the best of the best. It's and that's terrible. the other thing, man, that people don't get is very little to do with talent or money nothing. or great yeah. friends, uh, race, family. religion, anything. It's got nothing. Class, money you make. It's a real thing. I mean, the addiction is real. You know? Yeah. But I related so much to sensitivity. In order to be that level actor, you have to function on such a high level of sensitivity. Any performer, well, we're more sensitive than we want to cop to. It's clear he could go places. Uh, th that's why he was a great actor. He could go places. Not a lot of people could go, man. You look at the body, his work, man. Oh, God. Uh, some of those characters. Even the small characters, the comedic The thing he does in The Big Lebowski. He plays that crazy assistant. Yeah, he's amazing <laughs> Like, where'd he get that from? You know? Yeah, there's amazing... Um, Diversity of... Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, what was the one that he played to uh, the Cameron Crowe movie? Where almost he played, Famous. Almost Famous. Lester Banks. Right. Exactly. Small, Lester Bang, small role, and you're like, this is fucking perfect, Crushed man. It, perfect. Mm -hmm. Crushed yeah. it. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, no, he, uh, you know, again, he's probably big on research, but physically yeah. he could do a lot, and he wasn't afraid of anything. Yeah. You know, so. Then The Master, which is a movie that, you know, it, it's really a movie looking at two performances, him and Joaquin right. Phoenix. It got kind of slow to me in places. I thought it was a little overrated. I like Paul Thomas Anderson, but, um, his performance that is really like wow you look at it and go even at parts where you might in my case get a little bored you're looking at it going he's the only guy who could do this yeah absolutely you know, he's the absolutely only guy who could do it, right? sitting still like an inside race yeah you know he's talking positive exactly but you're looking at him you're like something's right. fucked up something's there. brewing yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's such a tough thing to pull off. Yeah, you know, I, I guess you can't do it without really feeling it. Him playing you know? off Joaquin Phoenix to me, yeah. they should have been two and a half men, not Charlie Sheen. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been, that would be fucking sick. There's two and a half. Philip Sheen and Joaquin Phoenix on two and a half men would have been fantastic. Do you ever, uh, now that you know you're walking the uh, the good line, do you have to stay away from anyone from the old days, um, people, places, and things? You yeah. know, yeah. Well, obviously, there's people that um, you know. Uh, are uh, are still like major users of drugs that right. I that the kids I even grew up with, uh, but they're smart enough to know. Uh, the boundaries, but um, again, it, the biggest thing is the road. Unfortunately, I'm still in a case where if I want to keep doing specials, I have to do the road to sort of hone the material. Absolutely, and I'm still in a case where that the money I make on the road is real money that I need. I you know I use I could use it, so. That's where you got to really be careful because when you develop a following with stand up, those same guys are there that were there 12 years ago. They still come to the shows. Yeah. You know, and uh, you, you got to sort of say to them, look, we can't do what we used to do. Right. You know, it can't like, happen that way. Right. It's not It's not possible. So that's the biggest struggle with me is the road stuff. But at home, everybody's pretty pretty cool. Yeah, there's people that I love that I really can't hang out with because they're too much fun for yeah, me. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's unfortunate, yeah. but it's, it's the truth. So. I, I don't think that there's somebody I could meet now that could drag me into that, mm -hmm. but I know there's some guys that I love that I'm like, I better not see him. Well, it's right, just the email. <laughs> just well, trigger, well, trigger well, yeah, well, yeah, nowadays you got the email, you got everything. But, you know, and, and sometimes, especially kids I grew up with, they'll pull the thing where, oh, well, you're too good to hang out with me. I'm like, no, it's the direct opposite. You're too good for me. I'm envious of you. I wish right. I could be casual drug yeah. user guy. Yeah. 
I can. I wish I, I mean, could could do a little blow and still take my kid to Little League, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I can't do that. I can't do that. You can, and I'm envious of that, but I can't, so... Well, uh, I'm so happy that you're you're doing good, man. The book is Crash and Burn, coming out in paperback, and this is uh, it's a phenomenal book. I mean, Thanks, it's man. a really, really great read. I appreciate it. Uh, uh, it's it, it's it a, has the flow, the whole thing. And the it's first a heartfelt I, book. Yeah, <laughs> the first time I read it, I mean, there was times I had to put it down for a couple minutes right. and stood up. You know, it's really, really <laughs> tough. And you, you know, uh, and the thing with Artie, you're cheering for him, you're pissed at him right. in certain mm-hmm. places at the same time, and that, mainly yeah. for hurting some of these really great people oh in god your life, yeah, that's the worst you, know? you keep you keep saying to yourself when you're in the throes of it like yeah i'm just hurting yeah me but you're not yeah. if you have anybody that cares about you you're, you're not it's not even close it's not a victimless crime you know you're hurting these these amazing people who are good friends or family and uh when you see them you know uh, crying literally, right? It's hard knowing that they're losing you, right? And you're, you know, you're they. You obviously, when you're that person, you don't care about them as much as they care about you. You care about right. your addiction. But there was a thing, and I, I brought this up in the unmask with you that Colin Quinn just comes through. This is yeah. like mm-hmm. otherworldly. Yeah. The savior, dude. the savior. Well, he's willing to do, right. man. I'm not even exaggerating with him either. Yeah, uh, he 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 really just. He's a guy I've known a long time. And obviously a guy I really respect, uh, you know, not just comedically, but as a person. The guy more or less, uh, you know, indirectly or even directly saved my life, you know, I I think in a lot of ways. Um, So I and he's not a guy who's looking for attention like that. Absolutely not. So I almost feel embarrassed about doing it. But I just I just had to do it. Yeah, there are. I just had to dedicate the book to him. Yeah, there are are plenty of people who don't know what a good dude he is. Yeah, he's such a stand up guy. Real good guy. Uh, Because, you know, he's a hard ass in his comedy is kindly, brutally, brutally funny. Well, in real life, he doesn't let you get away with uh, saying something stupid. You know, you're yeah. one of those comedians. So he can get in your face, which like a lot of us are, who do yeah. this for a living. He's sarcastic and everything, but he's got a heart of gold, you know. The unmasked that I did with him, I had to send it to you, too, because he's... Oh, I'd love to He's that, just yeah. fucking genius yeah. in this. I think he's the smartest comic working today. I yeah. really do. I really do. He's a true wordsmith. Well, what uh, is this... Uh, you, you were bringing... When you came in with him, what is, what is this new tour that he's doing? He's doing a one-man show now. Yeah. He's still yeah. unconstitutional. Based on the Constitution. Yeah. Who, who do does that, that except <laughs> Colin Quinn? Nobody he has just, that knowledge. He just got nominated yeah. for an Emmy, I think, for an HBO special he did about um, the history of the world. Right. A long story short, he called it. Which was right, which is amazing. Fucking brilliant. Yeah. History of the world soon in 75 he, minutes. Yeah, yeah, right. As soon as he got done with that, and it's great to be friends with a guy like that because you see all the stuff in its infancy. Right. Uh, like mm-hmm. me, I love rewarding myself. Like after I do something <laughs> that was successful, I take two years off. <laughs> <laughs> I was good now that. He's like, the next day, he goes, I'm working on another show about the Constitution. I'm like, what? <laughs> and uh, he goes, yeah, come down. I'm going to just put it up for the first time in the small room at Gotham. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. I go down and I watch it. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, When do you when are you not writing? You know? Well, the- And he had to research it for a year, he said, because people showed up with knowledge of the Constitution who were challenging him on yeah, shit. Like, so he had to be prepared. Exactly. Right. He had to be prepared <laughs> to answer questions about oh, the Constitution. Oh, yeah. Exactly. It's yeah. like trying to talk... Mm-hmm. Uh, 
baseball with stat freaks, and you're like, what? Just <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to have like a good a... time over lunch. <laughs> guys, guys come up with all the entire Gettysburg Address. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, shut up. Ar- Artie Lang's here with us next weekend. That's March 7th and 8th at Caroline's in New York City. April 5th, the Ridgewood Playhouse in Connecticut. And the Artie Lang Show on DirecTV. You can catch that on Channel 239. Yeah, on the Audience Network at DirecTV. And I'll be on the Tonight Show March 12th. I got wow, my first that's fantastic. Wow, awesome, with, uh, with Jimmy, yeah. Yeah, do you, do you know, are you working on that now? Or are you... you know, it's funny. I, I did his old show like about seven times, and it always went amazing. It was yeah. good to me. And... Uh, uh, staying out there on the couch and busting balls, and so yeah, no, it's uh, it's uh, it's the Tonight Show, and it's getting a lot of attention. So it's fun to be doing this for so long at the age of forty six. I still get butterflies about something. Yeah. Oh, absolutely! I'm, worried, I'm thinking about jokes, stories. I'm like, yeah. I can't wait. It's which it's the reason you know I'm not an accountant. I like getting yeah. these butterflies, and <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, it's you just, still it's, love that rush, though. Huh? It's you exciting. Still, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, but thing, he's such a generous guy, Jimmy. Too, he'll make Jimmy's me, always been makes good people to feel me. very at yeah. home. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he makes everybody likes him. Everyone's rooting for him. Very likable guy, sure. and yeah. funny too, and edgy. Yeah. You don't really see he's funny and edgy. And he still goes out and hits the clubs, right? Mm-hmm. I guess you know once you get that gig, it's probably not as much. But he's a stand up, yeah, as good yeah. as you could see. Sure, absolutely. Um, and you is this like the, the longest that you've kind of maintained this last? Uh, yeah, 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 uh, absolutely. Uh, except uh, for the first fifteen years of my life, yeah. <laughs> uh, you were doing great at eight. I had, yeah, right, exactly. I had a tw- I, I had uh, eleven months once. Eleven and a half months mm-hmm. and typical self destruction. I, I when I was in my late twenties, I had eleven and a half months. I I fell off the wagon, but yeah, you know, this is the longest. Yeah. Um. Well, would you ever think about taking that book and doing like a, a one man play with that? Believe or? me, yeah. There's a lot of discussion about that. There's some uh, should a, be a movie. A, well, actually. a big name. Uh, I can't say what it is, but a, a big name director producer uh, wants to wants to do it as a film. Both of them, too. My first one and this one combined, right? Because they're chronologically, it kind of works to the timeline. It works. So uh, yeah, there's talk about that. Absolutely, yeah. yeah it's a I, perfect film. Well, well that's the weird thing is like when you're reading it, some of these things do come off as a script sometimes it's real comedy just bold right you know just falling down comedy and other parts of some of the darkest shit that you yeah, can imagine if, if, again you got to get a real filmmaker to take it and uh and uh and make a, make it into a movie you right. know uh, you need a guy who really knows how to do that the second book crash and burn is more uh linear than the first book the first book is just a collection of stories where you, i wanted it to be that way where you could just pick it up any chapter and just read it yeah and it stands on its own but combined with the second book it would be it, it would look more linear like a movie you know yeah yeah well, his whole story has been so dramatic from the time that he started as a tribute kind of to your dad when your dad had that terrible accident, right? And then you took over uh, yeah. because he said, take care of the family. You're right. Well, that, that you, meant money. I don't know what he meant. I don't know what he thought I was able to do at that time. <laughs> but that, I was that's 22 years old. You, that's what inspired you to go I into think, comedy. I think, I, think he meant, I think he meant become a bookie. I think it like, <laughs> <laughs> would be our best possible goal for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, No, but that's what sparked me on. I was like, you know, I always wanted to try to be a comic, and I was, my friends thought I was funny, and I said, where else am I going to make that kind of money? So, that was kind of an influence. You know? Yeah, I've always been curious that, uh, you got to wonder if the funniest guy in the world has never stepped on a stage. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's definitely the case. Yeah. I think it's, that without question, I, I grew up with kids that I think are funnier than I am. Yeah. Uh, they just... 
you know, maybe they had a better day job. I started out doing stand-up with guys who were really funny, who worked in whatever, advertising, whatever, or they just had a better job yeah. and a better option than I did. Like, I didn't... Um, I remember being uh, at the 1993 at the comic strip on the 4th of July, and... Uh, and there were like four people there. Mm. And uh, some of these other guys who I thought were really funny weren't there. They were at uh, a beach. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, well, I'm here because I got nothing else to do. But maybe if those people had that kind of dedication, maybe it would have been. But Fourth of July, I was there. Right. You know, so. Yeah, no one ever gives credit to how much of that just grind that it takes right. in the early days, man. Just stone grind of everyone should have quit at some point. Right. You know what I mean? But they just keep going. That's for sure. Going. Yeah. Rodney Dangerfield's best friend, Joe Ansis, who was credited as like the funniest guy around, but never went on stage. Just didn't have the Could I be guess, out the of fear, though. Yeah, right, most of the time it's fear. Right. Funny around the table, hysterical around the table. Right. As a matter of fact, he was supposedly the influence for Lenny Bruce. Well, you know, the fear thing is weird because Billy Connolly was in here the other day. He's uh, 70. Is one, he really? Yeah. Wow. One of the real brilliant, you know, just comes in, kills, yeah. leaves. And he's Scottish Robin Williams. He's <laughs> petrified. To this day, going every time, like, I don't know if I'm going out there. I don't know. Wow. Uh, I, I relate he, to that completely. Then he yeah. gets out and, you know, right, you know, does well. But he says he's not, it's not fear for him. He's petrified every uh, fucking night. No, I, I relate to that. You know, Caroline's in particular, the way it's set up, it's it's Broadway and 50th. It's, it's like doing a Broadway show. You walk right. out, you get out of that dressing room, and you make a right, and you go out there. It's a team of people, and the waitress has got all the drinks in there. Yeah. It's a real New York night thing where the kitchen's teeming with, with yeah. activity and you realize when you headline are like oh my god this is all because I'm here right. <laughs> you start freaking yeah. out like what am I going to say you know and you know what you're doing for the next hour and 15 minutes whether it's working or not difficult yeah it, that, that, I totally relate to what Connolly's saying <laughs> Jim yeah. Gaffigan told me that story in my book he said for the first six years of his career he was sick every time he had to go out on stage from stage yeah. right yeah. <laughs> he, said, he said his only credit was that Dave Attell once told him he was funny right <laughs> <laughs> that was a, that was the extent of his credit, and well, he said know, for six never, years he was sick. It's never boring, which is another reason to do it. You know? Yeah, uh, a lot of jobs in life get boring after a while, but not stand up, man. <laughs> it's uh, it could be lonely, it could mm-hmm. be scary as shit, but it's not boring. Never boring. Uh, um, you, uh, what are you found in sports this year? Because all the New York teams are in trouble. Well, you know, I, I, I think it's kind of cool. I don't love the idea that, that baseball has this new thing where if a good player retires, he has like a retirement tour. Right. Every city gives him a car and stuff like that. It's kind of <laughs> sickening to me. But yeah. I'm a big Yankee fan, so I'm curious to see how Jeter goes out. Uh, I bet, you know, Jeter's a guy who always rises to the occasion. Um I, I got a feeling he'll do something kind of special this year. I hope he does. And uh, maybe gets another ring, but uh, that's a long shot. Well, if anybody deserved a tour, it's got to yeah, be him right Jeter. now. You know he I mean? did it the right way. He did it the right way. Uh, I think all the women should get one more shot. With him, you know? <laughs> well, it's funny. I was saying, well, what about uh, you know, fucking car? Every city, the hottest chicky bang in every city should come back. <laughs> Wouldn't that be unbelievable? <laughs> I mean, that's got to be impressive. I don't know if anyone is ever done better. You know what I mean? In, uh, you might have to go with, like Warren Beatty in his <laughs> yeah, right. time. I'd like to see the hottest chick you'd ever banged in Detroit roll her out. 
Maybe the All-Star game, they're all standing shoulder to shoulder waving. All right, we got a break here. Yeah. All right, Artie Lang hanging out with us. Fez, do the plug on this. Artie Lang, he's going to be at Caroline's, not this weekend, but next weekend. That's March 7th and 8th, April 5th, the Ridgewood Playhouse in Connecticut. And, of course, Artie's book coming out in paperback, Crash and Burn. Jeffrey Gurian's with us, too, ComedyMatters.com and at Jeffrey Gurian on Twitter. It's the Ron and Fez Show. This is the best of Ron and Fez. Ron and Fez on Raw Dog. Serious XM Comedy Hits. Channel 99. And now, back, back to the best of Ron and Fez. Ron and Fez. Raw Dog. XM Comedy Hits. Channel 99. It's the Ron and Fez Show. And Artie Lang is sitting in with us today and doing fantastic. It's good to see you, buddy. Good to be here, guys. I appreciate it. We were just talking about what a grind New York is. But yes. You stay on the Jersey side. Well, I'm as close as you can get. I live in yeah. Oboken. Right. Uh, so it's basically the same thing. Um, but you get the Springsteen vibe out of this whole thing. <laughs> By the way, I don't know whether you guys saw this, but Springsteen is in... Australia. Australia. He's and doing he just, ACDC stuff. He did ACDC. Last night he covered Staying Alive. Yeah, no, someone told me I'm coming in. Yeah, it's hysterical. Is, are they Australian or something? Yeah, they're oh, Australian. I, I thought they were English. Okay. No, everybody did because they kind of came over in that uh, English wave in the 1960s. But he went out and covered the song. I think it's up on the iBang right now, but it's hysterical. <laughs> that those check guys, that out. Yeah, yeah, that will just keep... I mean, at his age, he's still doing cover songs. Uh -huh. Right. Well, he's you just know, having fun. You know, yeah. it's really cool. I love the story when Springsteen called Artie to find out if he was okay, and your yeah. mom didn't wake you up. Book. Well, well, no, she, we just didn't pick up the phone because no one knew what the number was. And, and then he uh, called back. He called back the next night, the same exact time, and I talked to him for an hour on the phone. That's amazing. He just wanted to see if I was doing okay. How nice is that? Yeah. Uh, what is an that, experience. Yeah, I, I mean, that helped me in a ways I can't even describe. Absolutely. Uh, he was, um, you know, we talked about if I was okay for 20 minutes, and then it just became a half hour bullshitting session. Right. right. I talk, I asking about his music, and I never really talked to him before. I was going to ask, had he ever called you before? Uh, I met him a couple times briefly. I mean, literally had three to four minute conversations with him at a couple mm -hmm. of places. Uh, but no, talking to him on the phone, never. Never. Did you see him on uh, Sirius? Did that gig with him up in? Um, I didn't go. I was Apollo? working that night. <laughs> God, that was just. I work nights now. I tried to get to those gigs, but I, I heard it was amazing. Yeah, I mean, it was just nuts to go back and see him in a small place like that again. Yeah. Did you got you guys went? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we went. It was great, man. Yeah. What is the Apollo shit like? It's only a thousand people. If you it's don't, very it small. Seems really yeah. intimate. Right. You know they I. Uh, I guess it goes up at top, but you know, on the first floor, there can only be a few hundred yeah. people, mm -hmm. and you're like, you know, uh, there's Springsteen still selling it like it was big, <laughs> you know, like those guys, like you think that. Well, it's the same thing that you talked about with stand up, like they don't want to lose it at every gig because right. it's the only gig they yeah. think about. They gotta, they gotta, you know, a guy like that stays good. Well, it's like that old um, uh, quote. 
who knows if it was really Joe DiMaggio who said it, but they were like, in his, uh, when he was older, he just would hustle and risk getting hurt and slide in the second hard. And like a younger player would be like, why are you doing that? You don't have to. And he's like, well, someone might be seeing me for the first time. <laughs> right. In the crowd. So I guess that's how he, I don't think he knows how to turn it off. You know, right. I don't even think he would know how to do it half ass, you know. Yeah, you've never heard, like, ah, he didn't give it. Right. All. You know, we saw he phoned him. it in, right? Yeah. yeah. He doesn't there have are, off yeah. nights, you know. Yeah. And there are certain people who will, that I have seen, phone it in. Oh, God, yeah. You know, they don't give a shit. I love phoning it in. <laughs> 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 so anyway, where was I? Uh, <laughs> There's sometimes in stand-up where I feel, I feel like, you know, instead of going flying to St. Louis, I'm like, can you literally put the phone by the... <laughs> Let's do an experiment. I'll just sit in bed in Hoboken and I'll just do my act. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hold on, Springsteen's calling. Right, I mean, good thing, exactly. I'll put him on the phone. It's all doing crowd work, though. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to say... Nice shirt. Row, yeah, nice. four. Uh, give me a Seat seven, <laughs> phoning it in. That's a fucking great sketch. Hey, honey, a nice blouse. <laughs> what are we doing with this guy? You got a special coming up too, huh? I'm gonna shoot uh, my third stand-up special. Uh, it's for Comedy Central, and it's gonna be shot in May. Mm -hmm. And it looks like I'm probably gonna do it in Newark, uh, close to my hometown, at this performing arts center. And uh, it'll probably air in September. Wow! Yeah, so that's exciting. It's a, uh, it's an hour of material, a little over an hour of material I've been touring with now for like three to four years. So it's time to. It's time to put it to get bed. it out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then you got to start fresh again after that. Yeah, you know, the, 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 after people see that, you know, combined, uh, you got combined airing it on regular TV and all the social media where they see it. Everyone sees the material, so mm -hmm. you got to write new stuff. You know, so. Uh, it's uh, it's good though. I, it's about time. Like right. I'm bored with a lot of it, so it's get it out there. And then, it's an amazing uh, thing to put together an hour of material. Very difficult to do. This that. is I have uh, after this hour, it'll be a total in my career. You think I've been doing it 20 years? Uh, all the specials I put together will total. About four hours. About four hours. Yeah, you know, that I'm proud of. Right. That I think is not shit. Right, stuff that you didn't throw out. <laughs> it's actually made Literally, in 20 years, yeah. you know. So that's why when you look at that, I mean, there's, there's, if you want to combine the stuff that I think is shit, it's probably 10 hours. <laughs> but uh, to get through to get a check, that's why you look at George Carlin, man. It's how insane, prolific right? he was. I mean, he wrote, he's like the Woody Allen stand-up. He wrote a new yeah. set every two years. I mean, it's unreal. You know, forty years he's been he did stand up specials. It's, uh, there'll be nobody to catch that. Not the not the sheer amount, because they were always they were always at least pretty good. Sometimes they were classics, but and they never sucked. Right. You know? There was nothing. And again, there. You know, he kind of invented that even way of doing comedy. A lot like of people give out, him Robert yeah. Klein that, that that sort of respect. Yeah, uh, Cosby. Right. And prior, yeah, absolutely. Lenny Bruce. Mm -hmm. Those five guys, a small group of guys, but Carlin's the guy where they, his album AMFM. Right. A lot of guys will say, okay, it used to be this, now it's this. Right. Literally just changed it. For me, it was always Class Clown. That was the one that's a that. One. That's a 730 words. Yeah. Though, I think. yeah and yeah. it had that, and it was like the first time for me as a kid when I heard that album, someone talking about religion and my religion. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. Real you honest can, way. You can yeah. do this? Yeah, you absolutely. You can say this is weird? Well, you, you still, you could in certain areas, you couldn't. Right. And he paid the price. He 
got arrested a couple of times. Him and Bruce got arrested. But uh, Lenny Bruce got arrested just for cursing, I think. Right. But, um, yeah, Carlin broke down all those barriers, man. I wonder who, like, there's no... I guess the Middle East, you still probably have to be careful about what you well, say. You can't be gay in Uganda. Right. <laughs> but there's even a lot of politically correct stuff in England... Uh, Canada, I read that comics have been sued for things that they've said on stage. Canada can mm-hmm. be crazy. Yeah. Canada can be real scary with, what you, with the censorship and what the penalty could be. Yeah, you're right. talking about arrests. Mm. Arrests. Yeah, arrests. that's really yes. scary. <laughs> a tweet will get you an arrest in England. Yeah. <laughs> is that true? Yeah. Someone uh, what, is it like a harassing? Yeah. Well, we've done that in America with sports teams, where somebody will call up and go, "I'm going to fucking kill you. You cost me money." You oh, know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, and that shit is stuff that you can yell out at the game, but you can't tweet it. You know what I mean? You can yell out. <laughs> you can't you tweet s- it about anybody, like not just a politician, about anybody. I don't think you can't anybody. tweet. It. James you can't tweet Dolan a death just got a kid arrested. No, absolutely. A 19 year old kid on Staten Island saying he was going to kill James Dolan for screwing really? up the oh, Knicks. Oh, really? And he got busted. Yeah. The kid got busted for harassment. What do they give the kid? What, what's the Harass- It's harassment. I mean, so he could go do jail time? He's got arrested. They're charging him. Oh, wow. If, the, <laughs> oh, if, if it's taken as like a real threat, like some for guy. James a teacher got arrested. It was in the paper yesterday. A teacher got arrested for terrorism for saying if I had a trench coat and a shotgun, I would go Columbine on this place. And <laughs> she said it in the cafeteria. Right. Well, that's a lot of buzzwords. A middle-aged, a middle-aged female teacher, right. and they called and they arrested her for terrorism, and she's in a lot of trouble. You're yeah, just picking offensive words. I'll go Holocaust, uh, Columbine. Yeah. <laughs> These days, no matter what you say, people will report you. But then the weird thing is, like when we were younger, we would hit each other, and the teachers would say, "All right, just shake hands." Yeah, right. Exactly. We did all These the things days, that they're threatening now, right. but we didn't think it was so bad. There's less penalty for actual physical contact. Right. Hitting. And it really did help, like, if you would shake hands, that guy could end up becoming your buddy. You're your best friend. You're like, right, you know yeah. what? You are right. Yeah, if you go through something that passionate with somebody, it usually yeah. works out. Well, but you can't joke around in the airport, either. If you're, you know, when you're online and no, you're asking, no, you, did anyone help you pack your bags? You can't joke You're biting around. your right. tongue not to make a joke about that. <laughs> you know what I mean? The, it's, such a novi- it's such a ridiculous Speaking question. Which, your nutty story last night about wearing matzo ball in your... Oh, <laughs> Yeah, a piece of matzah instead of a handkerchief <laughs> in my jacket pocket. Oh, yeah, when, when I used to go to the village gate and I would put a piece of matzah. For in how long? I was just a kid. I, I, that's I wore it that way. We were kids. Symphony Sid would say, "Who's the kid with the matzah? Bring him in here." I had a. Well, that's I, how I got to meet Symphony Sid. Well, as Italian <laughs> mozzarella would go bad. <laughs> I got you were gonna leave it. Yeah, in. No, yeah, yeah. I hate it. Right? I didn't make it through the night. It was a look, you know. It's it's a look. During the Jewish holidays, I put a piece of matzah in my pocket. I thought, okay, this is good. From a distance, it can look well, it looks like anything. <laughs> like, right yeah, right. <laughs> Artie just go like, it. it's a look. Look at you, know, it's a look. You just that go with my rational. I was like, head bouncer. I got to look. I don't know. Go ahead, it's man. easy to get over on me. I'm fine. <laughs> Uh, but how long did you do that for? Uh, a month or two until he noticed. <laughs> I just yeah. thought it was fun. I like the guy I was telling him. You know, you remember the See days... See security guy. God damn it, that's much! <laughs> you, right. you remember the days when people would refer to money as bread? Of course. And they'd be like, can I borrow some bread? And I carried, for months, I carried a piece of bread in my wallet until someone would finally ask me, just 
I needed that laugh just to yeah. know that someone was going to finally ask me. And my mom's like, why are there always crumbs in your jacket? <laughs> because I needed to have that, you know, and did, finally did, someone did, asked. Someone, did someone finally asked. Yeah, it was fucking hysterical. Did it everybody out. Get, have a big laugh? Here's everybody, yes. <laughs> the laugh was worth it. The, the laugh was worth <laughs> all the crumbs. All the crumbs. I carry strange shit. Like, I carry this. What right? is that in It's your... a fucking pen. Oh, I got thrown pen. off a plane. I got thrown off a plane. Just waiting. So someone says, can I borrow your pen? Now, this is like a 10-pound pen. Now, how, I have a bigger one at How home. long do you Jesus do that Christ. fit? I, mean, I carry it always. I always carry Someone gave me that, and I fucking love this pen. Jeffrey, can so I borrow I carry... some lettuce? <laughs> <laughs> That's in my other jacket. Right. Like, oh. yeah, it looks like what Jason Collins sounds autographs with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There you go. They, they, about they thought it was tongue. a sex toy on the plane. I got thrown off of a plane. That is a major a phallic pen. You're right. You can't yeah, joke like, in airports. You cannot joke around in so an airport. So what do you do? You have to put that... I pack it in my giant suitcase. fucking dildo that you and write I, with yeah. in your suitcase. It writes. It actually uh, writes. Could you yes. imagine going to jail as a dildo bomber? Yeah. You're in trouble. A lot of trouble. Absolutely. That is fucking hysterical. Well, it's important pen. to carry shit with you that makes you smile. I just think you, everyone should have something with them that you would ordinarily find. <laughs> carry money. That's good. That'll I make you smile. Oh, yeah. oh, look, I just got this in the mail. This is the gayest mm. thing. Oh, sorry. I used to think people needed props. The first time I ever went on stage was at Caroline's, and I walked out on stage carrying an iron with me. And I Why? said, I said, uh, it's always been my dream. And people would think you're going to say to be at stage of Caroline's. It's always been my dream to someday walk out on stage carrying an iron. Because my family was in the, uh, they either made a huge fortune in the small appliance business or a small fortune in the, in the huge appliance business, whatever it was. And I carry this iron. And the next night, oh my God. the next night I felt I had to bring something else. I couldn't walk out again with an iron. So I brought a bag of groceries with me. And I asked the guy in the front row, I said, I'm sorry, I thought I'd have a chance to go home first. Would you mind holding these for me till I'm finished? Yeah. <laughs> it was <laughs> happy. It, it was such a it was so much trouble that by the time I got up to carrying an ironing board with me, I just stopped the whole thing. Yeah, that's that's the problem idea. with yeah. props, guys. Yeah. I can't leave believe it the trouble. No, it's I know I can't trouble. believe the effort that like yeah, carrot top and those guys Gallagher. I mean Gallagher's gotta send an advance team. He he got, uh, Lenny Schultz used to do that. It would take him an go hour crazy to Lenny. set up go crazy Lenny. It would take him an hour to set up a table. More pigs, Lenny. Yeah. <laughs> There was Go nothing more depressing then. than watching Lenny Schultz clean up afterwards. As people are, people are realizing, people are looking at their bills realizing they just paid 12 bucks for a rolling rock, and he's in a Speedo bathing suit picking up his props. Right. Shoving like, a grapefruit down his pants. That's, that's the album cover. That's yeah. why I left show business. <laughs> Lenny Schultz cleaning up the stage. That's the saddest, yuck, yuck. Yeah. <laughs> the saddest thing. The saddest thing known to man. People are paying their bill while he's in the background. Oh, God. Because he used to end up in in green Speedo mm -hmm. bathing suit. Right. Like, covered with all kinds of shit. Yeah, right. sitting in like in a baby pool, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and he would juggle water. He would take two bowls of water. This oh. danger, he would pass out plastic to the front row. God bless him. Because you'd be soaked by the end of his show. Yeah, that's what you need. You want to take a date in your show? I remember the first night I met him. I was a catch. He was he was in the middle of having an argument he with his shirt. He would do that. Catch a rising star. Yeah, like yeah, the whole yeah. thing. Oh, it's uh, small he, place. He had challenged the bag of garbage to a wrestling match. <laughs> oh yeah, he was on like, stage. He hurt his back wrestling with a bag of garbage. But wasn't he a wrestling school teacher? Or something he was a phys ed too? teacher. Yeah, yeah, he was a phys ed teacher. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and he was in pretty good shape. But the garbage got the best of him. Yeah, the first time I saw him, he was. Uh, was probably pushing 60, 
you know, so, but he was in great yeah. shape for that age. And he was the bionic chicken. Yeah. Well, oh, he, was he really? Yeah, he I came out on stage as a chicken. He came down in Florida to try to open up a club for a little while with just him as the only only act and unfortunately he was like in Tampa far away from any Jews you know what I mean it's like you're on the wrong side of the yeah, state yeah you gotta be Jewish to get that humor it's a, yeah. such a sick guy he's still he's in Florida I'm friends with his oh, son Mark oh he is yeah. in Florida yeah I know I, I've met yeah. Mark well, it's funny I was walking in the village and I saw Mark and he came up to me and said I'm, I'm Lenny Schultz's son I'm like, wow. yeah he's a really nice like guy I'm a hug. You know, I feel like you know the guy yeah really nice guy Absolutely. real nice guy yeah, yeah real nice guy yeah, it's it's always that's the funniest shit that you bring up those kind of names because you did some hill stuff right you were up in yeah the Catskills, the Catskills. I spent Catskills. so much time there when I, well Milton Berle was my sponsor in the Friars Club that's how I got started writing for a lot of the guys you know uh, I would go up there to the hotels in those days the hotels were thriving had you the biggest Burl. comics it was the early forties I met Milton at, <laughs> at a Friars <laughs> roast he liked my dildo pen at a Friars no because I wrote a joke I said if Burl's cock had a blonde wig it could pass for Paul Williams. <laughs> and and he wanted to know who Paul said, he said who it's funny because when I met Paul I couldn't tell him that joke yeah, <laughs> I could not tell him that joke I was just he would love it though probably but I respected him too much to tell him that joke that that's how I met Milton Berle so he, he liked that joke and he came up to you and said can you write stuff for me no he said who wrote the Burl's cock joke and then Dick Capri did the joke at the Friars Roast he the first, and he brought me over to meet him and, and, uh, and that's how I met Milton and we became friends and it took me a while till he let me write for him I was writing a lot of shit for him and right. it was a, a buddy hackett roast and he had invited me down to atlantic city to come and join him with my wife at the time and three days before he calls me up and he says tell me two of the jokes that you wrote like to see if i'm uh, they were funny enough to bring me down because he was paying for my trip to Atlantic City. <laughs> and so now I'm on the phone. I have to fucking impress Milton Berle with jokes. Right. right? Which they is, get a tick-free ticket. You got to pull out the Paul Williams material for that. Sure. And, he said, <laughs> and he said, well, clean or dirty? And, and he said, one of each. And I said, well, it, it took Buddy... The clean joke was, I think, it took Buddy a long time to get used to the fact that girls are supposed to close their eyes when they kiss you, not when they're introduced. <laughs> and then he said, what's the dirty joke? And I said, it wasn't really dirty. I said, a lot of people like to think of Buddy Hackett as a little man with a rubber face, but I prefer to think of him as a little rubber with a man's face. <laughs> and, he and that was said, it. You're and he said, pack your bags, you're coming to Atlantic Kev, City. You're in show business, You're in show business. And that's, that's how, how it I, happened. That's how I got to hang out with Burl. That's how it happened. Well, you, got, you packed your trunk yeah. I packed my big pens <laughs> the big pens is that uh, is that, that Mott's in your pocket you're just happy, happy to, to see, see me yeah. look Milton a giant pen <laughs> stand by for more of the best of Ron and Fez Ron and Fez on Raw Dog Raw Dog, Raw Dog. Serious XM Com Comedy it's Channel 99 stand by for more of the best of Ron and Fez on Raw Dog Raw Dog Serious XM all right, I think we got Russell here. Bring him in with a little tune. We got some music for him. And let's bring in... I don't know what Chris is waiting for. Russell Peters. They shot a movie once In my hometown Everybody was in it From miles around Thing. Well, I ain't no movie star, but I can get behind anything. 
Russell Peters and with us one of the great hours of Unmasked we ever what a good time yeah man it was so great and your career is so incredibly unique that there are so many comics that admire what you've done with your life you know what I mean there's so many who are like man if I could just find do what Russell did kind of invent my own way to live my life I, yeah, I didn't try to. It just kind of yeah. happened. That's the best part about it, I that guess. That is the best know? part. You're in here with Jeffrey Gurry, and how long do you guys go back, Jeffrey? Oh, a few years now. A few That's years? I would say at least 10 years now. Oh, at least, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Decade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I knew him since he looked like this. Yes. <laughs> That's a while. Now, by the way, Slayton wanted me to say to you everything you said, you stole that from Slayton all day, and he thought that was going to be the funniest joke in the world. And he also asked if he could borrow 100 grand. I, I <laughs> he did ran into him. Yeah, he wants to go hey, out to dinner. Mike, you get 100 grand. Yeah, he says if Russell has an extra hundred grand, yeah. no one calls me back. But everybody else is doing well. Yeah. He came over to my house yeah. for New Year's, um, not this past year, but the year before. Is that right? Him and his wife. It was actually very nice. Yeah, well, but you weren't home though. Uh, yeah, but that's that's fine. Either that's way, he came always by. the weird thing that the comedian who really away from the road has a stable home life with like a normal good person. Yeah, you know what I mean. And he doesn't mess around. That's the weird part. That is the weirdest you part of all. I or maybe. Maybe it's not even choice. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe he's just. <laughs> I'm an old Jew. What am I going to do? <laughs> what, what, what exactly could happen here anyway? You know, you're from uh, Toronto. That is correct. And that is now. Uh, Colder the, than here. Yeah, but it's also <laughs> the yeah. funniest mayor in the history oh of the world. And yesterday's was the best of all. The Jamaican one? Yeah. Yeah. How does that shit go down? I don't. I don't know how. I don't like. Does he not have anybody handling him? Like going, Mayor, don't don't do that. Don't no, do that. Yeah, hey, let, we're going to a restaurant. Can you put your phone down, please? You know yeah. what I mean? Like just want somebody. You just need one person to fucking just jump in and go. All right, buddy. Right. Enough. Somebody sla- an intervention. I didn't hear what happened yesterday. I didn't hear. Yesterday, we'll just play a clip from you. This is uh, in this some is... Toronto place, but he's all. He was fu- at a restaurant. Yeah. All twisted. All fucking wired up, and then. Just starts acting like he's a Jamaican out of nowhere. Oh, serious? Yeah. Oh my god! They gotta see me. me around five months. Oh my god! I said, bro, for me, her eyes five And I'm trying to tell me, bro. We're trying to surveil the guy, you know what I mean? He's hiding here, my hiding here, my hiding. Oh, we don't. Fact. How much money that cost? <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Now, Russell, Russell would know. Is that a good accent or not? Because he does it's every accent. It's not bad, actually. It's actually it's not really? bad. It's really not bad. <laughs> Even my Jamaican friends were like, not bad. I mean, he did just say words randomly, but the accent was on point. But he had to have been paying attention for years to well, be no, able to do a, that that's well. A, that's a Toronto thing, because yeah. uh, we have a huge West Indian population. There's a, a ton of Jamaicans, and they influence a lot of things over there. So, I mean, I know I grew up talking like that, but I did it better <laughs> i mean not better i mean i actually knew what i was saying you know right. what i mean that's well, what he I not mean. only does every country he does every block in every right. city yeah, right. every dialect this guy yeah I mean, it's, it's uncanny uncanny but, so he really didn't do that bad and he didn't that, do a bad accent it's just it's just weird that the mayor is drunk and cursing in jamaican and Jama- right. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know who he's talking to that that would justify him having to speak 
patois when he's <laughs> when he's at a restaurant, you know. And also, you can hear some of it. He's like he's bringing up counter surveillance, yeah, so he just, knows he's being watched. You know, you know, I well, I call this a bit. I'm here. <laughs> this guy's here. Me ear. I'm like, come on, buddy. You, you can't, can't you just say, yeah, he's there. I'm here. But I know when I get drunk in Toronto, I end up speaking Jamaican. Same thing happens. Uh, but you know, but I do it to Jamaicans. Right. And then I'm actually making sense. I'm talking shit that I'm making sense. Right. You know I mean? It's the music, man. The, the reggae city. music. Now, Chris, I'm also not running the city. That's the other point. Chris, you brought up that your dad in New York City would always uh, start talking 70s jive to black people. Yeah, he would call black people, what up, young blood? Like, <laughs> it was just ridiculous. It was crazy. This was in the late 80s. Right. Early 90s. Yeah. Give me some skin. Exactly. Yeah. He said that shit all yes. the time. Yeah. But that was funny. My before. man, fit the grand. Yeah, but you know what's funny? Is like my kids will see Robin Williams do that bit, and they go, and they say to me like, "Why does he act like black people talk that way?" You know what I mean? Because Robin will still do it, but that whole thing has kind of given way to another, you know, way, a more different slang. But it's so funny that you will regress to whatever happened when you were fifteen, sixteen yes, years you old. Will. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I still dry hump. <laughs> <laughs> With Jeffrey? Is that, uh, oh, God. No. That's a whole other we thing. Soak. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we soak. Yeah, we do. Fezzy, do the plug thing. Russell Peters appearing at Goodnight's Comedy Club, Raleigh, North Carolina. That's February 6th through the 9th. Then at Zany's Comedy Club in Nashville, February 13th through the 16th. And, I don't know if you could tell, but I'm on a club run. Yeah, you're doing the club scene. <laughs> you know why? I don't have an act right now. Is that right? Re yeah. Rebooting? So this is, this are, is how are I write. Are you working on new material? Yeah, I have zero. So, so what does that feel like to go in? Scary, because you're liter I've literally been walking on stage every night, even at the cellar, and I'm like, I, I walk on, and there's this... <sighs> what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> right. So I'm literally just I'm winging it, and... You know, I'm getting little notorious? bits here and there. Yeah, Notorious was notorious the last one. Notorious was thing. the last one. That was a killer. But do you dump all that stuff forever? Yeah, it's now, gone. Right? It's gone. gone forever. And it's my 25th year. 25 years. Wow. And when you really think about it, you have nothing to show for it today. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. What <laughs> a waste. Everything is gone. Everything is gone. Yep. You know, that was always why Leno said that he would never do a special, a special because he didn't want to give up anything. You know, he just didn't feel like all it was worth material. it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, all that brilliance. <laughs> uh, now, the, but the weird thing for you is you still have to have that thing of, I will get new stuff. I have to. It's coming. Don't I don't have a side gig. You know, yeah, I don't. I don't get it. acting roles. I, mm -hmm. I'm not on TV. I, yeah, this is my. This is how I make my living. So I. I have to come up with a new act. And you. Don't and it's got to be good. And do you have a certain time that it has to be put together? Or I don't put that kind of pressure on myself. But yeah. when I get to the clubs, you know, you got what? It, that's just the first two weeks of uh, February. Right. By the end of February, I'll have. Not, I won't have a, a solid act, but I'll have an outline. Now these are I hope. We, these are also <laughs> two strong, terrific clubs. You're going to walk in there in front of an audience, and you know when you walk up there, whether you got your material together or not, they're going to expect a funny night. Yeah, well, that, that's really my goal is just be funny up there. Yeah, don't shit the bed, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and hope for the best. This is the don't shit the bed part of that's the tour. Really, this right is now. my don't shit the bed tour. <laughs> Wake up in the morning, look at the sheets. So yeah. far, so good. Yeah. Off we go. Yeah, the, the the special will be called Sorry About the Sheets. But could you imagine, like, <laughs> if... Now, just think of the greatest bands in the world. If by 
86, the Rolling Stones said to themselves, okay, we've got nothing, we've got to start fresh. But they wouldn't have a lot right and now. And we can't use you know any I mean? of our old stuff, right? Yeah. Can't, yeah, you gotta start. I mean, th- only comics ma- do that. Yeah. We're the only ones who get fucked. But how many bands would have anything worth doing within the last, you know, even five years? Let's just say this. Tommy Two-Tone still tours. <laughs> no, but when, when people see bands, they call out for their old favorites. Yeah. You know, yeah, once nobody... in a while, people do that with comics, but not yeah. as often. Like, yeah. they want to hear the, the Indian guy arguing with the Chinese guy. Yeah, and then I don't remember it. You right. know, serious? Because literally, yeah. I literally delete it from my brain. You have to, right? Because like, really? if I yeah. don't, it'll stuff. end up, yeah, it'll end up just resurfacing. And, Interesting. But, you know, this is, my, this will be my, I did, what, seven or eight specials in my career so far, so. Which is unbelievable. One of the only comics <clears throat> that fills stadiums. 14,000 people that's, in that's, Sydney. Yeah, fourteen or fifteen yeah, or more. I once asked him what was his largest. <laughs> uh, is Vancouver still Van- the largest? Vancouver was about eighteen thousand two, nights, two in nights in a row. What's What's the pressure like walking out in front of eighteen thousand? Well, you know they're there to see you. Yeah, and you already know you have your act. Right. So the pressure is not that much. You get you feel more pressure at good nights. I feel more pressure going on at the <laughs> cellar at good nights. Right now, right now you're seeing pressured Russell. If you come see me now, <laughs> I think that's so fucking cool though. That yeah. that would be if you were a fan of anyone. This is the time to go see and then watch the special when it happens and see where that material went. How it evolved. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. It's it's it is interesting for the fans, especially. I mean, if they come see me now and then when the tour actually kicks off with a name and uh you know a routing mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you come see me in a year and you're like oh my god i saw you know i saw him sketching this and now it's all colored in and pretty you know oh yeah this is i didn't think it was going to work but i get it now you mm-hmm. know what i mean it's like it's almost like you're at the crime scene and trying to figure out where this these clues will actually lead yeah, basically after a while um, but, uh, you know, for the folks who don't know you, unlike most comedians, you've worked all over the world. Crazy places. Yeah, the only place I think I have not been to is South, continent-wise is South America. South America? Yeah. Which seems like... I think if I went to South America, I'd fall in love every five seconds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah, just from what I've seen with yeah. the women there, I just, I'd lose my shit. It really is. Uh, and I do think, you know, because people are saying Brazil is really, the in, the incomes and shit are shooting up there. But I think South America is going to be the next kind of hot place. Like, you know, if they If they start learning Not English... For comedy, they, though. Yeah. No, if they start speaking English like... Uh, Fluently, then, yeah. then then you could it could turn into a hotbed for comedy. Yeah, because everyone does want to go there. Now, what made you not go to South America? They don't speak just, English. No, but everyone else does. Yeah, the rest of the world does. That's uh, crazy. The, they don't need to. Have you seen them? Yeah, that, yeah, they, they don't. They're self-contained. They don't need us. They're good. But you know what? They've gotten around where they stopped attacking each other. So I really do think maybe it's time to they're go. They're ready to pick yeah. it up. Yeah, in Brazil, this <laughs> World Cup, if it gets. You know, if it really becomes that showcase, I think everybody is going to want to go there after this. And Argentina is like the best kept secret in the world. Yeah, Michael Bublé met his wife in Argentina. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah and she's, you know, she's, have at, you ever seen her? I was at their wedding. Wow. She's yeah. stunning, yeah. too. I mean, she's and, little, but she's really pretty. <laughs> she's little. <laughs> Measured her. Uh, normally, I throw this back, but in this case, keep her. <laughs> yeah, she, you know, she was a good tiddler. <laughs> 
Russell Peters will be in Raleigh, North Carolina, February 6th through the 9th at Good Nights Comedy Club. Then Zany's Comedy Club in Nashville. That's February 13th through the 16th. Spend Valentine's Day with Russell Peters in yeah. Nashville. Watch me be miserable on Valentine's Day. <laughs> you, Where uh, am I? In Nashville. Yeah, good luck, Russell. <laughs> I heard you flew in to do a gig that was canceled here in New York. Too, yeah, right? man. Yeah, what a Tuesday, bummer. Tuesday, that was supposed to be a very special thing. We are family foundation with Nile Rodgers. I love Nile Rodgers. Yeah, so Nile's much. a good buddy of mine. And Stevie Van Zandt. Was, yeah, we was did it. We did a rehearsal it. Monday. It was wow. so awesome. It was like, because I DJ with them. I, uh, I scratch in the background while they're doing their songs and stuff. And then Nile and I sometimes do this thing where he plays the guitar lick from La Freak. And I'm scratching the beginning of Aww. Yeah. And it's really dope. Seriously, you must never, you must be pinching yourself uh, on that stuff. I, I, yeah, I was literally, yeah. we were in rehearsal on, on Monday. And, you know, right, literally standing in front of me, Steven Van Zandt and Nile. And they're like looking at each other and playing guitar. And I'm in the back and yeah, I'm just scratching. I keep looking at the drummer and the bass player. I'm like, this is the best day of my life. Is that right? Yeah. That's and then, you know, Melly Mel and Africa Bambata are singing on the other side rapping and Nona Hendrix is singing and uh, what's her name uh, the blonde lady 20 feet from stardom what's her name again I didn't see this movie yet she she did all the Phil Spector songs ha uh, <laughs> oh you got this Phil Spector <laughs> yeah they, they like that reference yeah Phil Spector well he helped me with the opening of my act because well, I was, was doing something I, I usually say, you know, I know what you're thinking of Phil Spector fucked Elton John, and, you know, and the audience likes that. And then we talk about how, you know, people like it if you know what you look like, you know. And I used to say, if you really want to know what you look like, ask somebody else to describe you. But if you really want to know what you look like, ask a little kid to describe you. you know? <laughs> Trust me, you'll want to fucking kill yourself. And Russell said to me, don't say really twice. <laughs> Say, if you want to know what you look like, ask somebody else to describe you. But if you really want to know what you look like, ask a little kid to describe you. And so he did that. That's the weirdness that of comedy, too, right? It's, it's just one, one, one word. word one word syllable. can change it. And sometimes you can't hear it. Yeah. You can't hear it yourself. It's good to have somebody to run it by. The first time you said that to me, I hated it. And then the <laughs> second time, I'm like, I love this. <laughs> That's fantastic. But you know, when Niall was in here, I swear to God, everyone almost followed him to the elevator because there's something. Like I mean, I don't know what it is, but he carries something yes, so positive. Very powerful energy. He's you yeah. know him too. You go I back. know him very well. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I actually I sent him a picture of us recently. Me, Niall, and Peter Max, back from nineteen ninety. Oh, you know what? I thought it was Ron and Fez, and I was like, one of them got really black over <laughs> yeah. the years. When Niall had his long dreads, yes. and it was a party that was made for he me still for does. a film I did. He still has. Well, he's got shorter dreads now, right? No, they were still pretty. Yeah, long. they're pretty yeah. long. Do you know that uh, I talked to? Peter Max and he uses a D like he hires a DJ just to come to his studio while he paints and the DJ is just and he's like and he paints along to whatever mood that that person puts him into you know you got money when you just when did you have a DJ yes. just to, to, yeah. to, to give me a full time soundtrack this is, this is the kind of gig I'd like yeah well what's cool about Russell's shows is he's always got two DJs opening for him so the audience is so pumped by the time he comes out on stage because he's got two guys scratch not, Start, not, starting, starting from, from scratch, scratch. And, I was going to uh, say DJ scratch and spin sniff. bad. Wow. And spin bad. And the two of them together on the stage with these monstrous setups, and the audience goes crazy, man. It's it's a and hip hop thing. And you love DJing, right? Yeah, it's that's what I did before comedy. Would you? And right now, it actually has gotten to the point where it's, it's pain. Yeah, but now those guys aren't DJing. What do you? What do you? Would you just set like it's? They're like they're computer. literally not doing anything. Yeah. When I say not doing anything. Uh huh. Nothing. They're doing nothing but standing there and putting their arms in the air. 
Like they just and every care. now and then they look like they're turning a knob, right? But they're not turning that knob. I'm I'm so it is disgusting. I mean, it's yeah. all being done by computer. It's not even being done by computer. Some fucking guy in the back press play. Yeah. Serious? And wow. this guy's just a figurehead doing this. So it's basically if the Beatles would show up, put their album on, and then dance next you know, to it. That's what I said at the beginning of my last tour. Yeah. I said it's the equivalent to you coming to pay, pay money to see me, then I throw on a DVD and stand there and point it. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't but but and it's it's drawing incredible numbers. People are idiots. Yeah, like they have no clue. And like Paris Hilton makes a hundred thousand, hundred fifty thousand dollars to quote unquote DJ. What the fuck does she know about DJ? <laughs> yeah, so really, it's not something you can just be like, I'm gonna go be a DJ, and then like, and people are so dumb. They're like, they they're they it's really just a personal appearance now. And and they need a different excuse, like the, oh, look what they're doing, something. They're DJing, yeah. Because it's, it's to make the dumb people feel better about how stupid they were for going to see somebody for a personal appearance. I know the kid from Jersey Shore. They say is like making ten million. Paulie, yeah, yeah. Paulie, Paulie yeah. D. And now, okay, here's the thing with Paulie D. Paulie D. At least tries. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? He gets there. He tries. He's not very good, but at least he tries. Do you know what I mean? And that's how you know he's actually doing it because it's not very clean. There's mistakes, and that's not, that's what right. real DJs do. But I mean, yeah, he may be not that talented with it, but at least he gives it a shot. And, and, I'd be the first to hate on anybody when it comes to the DJs. But sure. How did you make the transition from DJing into comedy? Because I started DJing in '85, and then I started doing stand-up in '89, and then I would DJ on weekends. Like parties and uh, anything, wedding, I didn't care. I just needed money to subsidize, you know, me doing comedy until they started to, and I was boxing, so I was, one, I was like, really? one of these things is gonna, <laughs> DJ one of these things is gonna go. <laughs> None of them build on the other. That's yeah. the great thing about it. Which one finally went? Um, I'm gonna go with the boxing. <laughs> the boxing. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine, though, that if. Hey, it, Captain and Tennille are divorcing after 39 years. Yeah. Oh, oh that's sad. Wow. It didn't keep them together. The uh -huh. love did not keep, keep them, them together. together huh? Yeah. The muskrat love. Um, the, uh, and he still wears the fucking hat. All these years. Yeah. You'd think he'd have been retired from the service by 39 now. 39 years? What, at, how do you at 39 years There's no go, hair under there anymore. That's why. <laughs> right. They're gonna die soon. Right. You know what? Now that we're in our 80s, uh, you know, there's some things I want to explore. <laughs> I, I don't want to die with you. Right. <laughs> it's got to be a reason that we would never, you know, there's got to be something that they would never tell the world that at 39 years you call quits. That's weird. You know? 39 years and like I yeah. don't think this is worth I want this next six it's months like, to be special yeah. I, <laughs> I want to go out and meet other elderly people yeah. yeah you really could just wait out the death at that point point. Yeah. and shouldn't he have been upgraded from captain to something else at this point <laughs> yeah. Admiral Admiral, yeah. Admiral and Tennille yeah. Yeah. And, and how did that last conversation go who, who brought that up after 39 years that had Which to be a rough conversation yeah. yeah that had to be a tough day somebody was changing one of their up. colostomy bags and like, yeah, you know what? Right. Like, this is shit. I think it's time. Yeah. <laughs> she's just looking at him as like, I told you one more time and that's it. That's I'm it, fucking right? sticking with it. I told you not to fucking use the same knife for the peanut butter and the jelly. Mm -hmm. I'm out of here. Right. Yeah. I'm going to go get a little place of my own. How Jesus. did you guys get Stephen Hawking's working the board over there? Yeah. He's doing really <laughs> great for himself. 
<laughs> you got a mobile now? It's awesome. Yeah, everything's working out for us in a big, big way. Uh, Chris, we got a break? Oh, uh, yeah, we should break. We got a break. Is uh, what's his, Who's coming in? Joe Coy. Yeah, yeah Joe Coy. You want to hang in for that? Yeah, or? I, I've known Joy, Joe, Joey. I've known Joe for, Joe for a long time. That's fantastic. All yeah. right, we'll be right back with Joe Coy. It's the Ron and Fez Show. This is the best of Ron and Fez on Raw Dog. Serious XM Comedy Hits. Channel 99. This is the best of Ron and Fez. Ron and Fez on Raw Dog. Raw Dog. Serious XM Comedy Hits. Channel 99. The Ron and Fez Show. Russell Peters is sitting in with us today. He's going to be a good night comedy club, February sixth through 9th. and then Zany's Comedy Club in Nashville, February thirteenth through sixteenth. But that's not enough for you people, Fez. We got more. Joe Coy is here, and he will be playing Levity Live in West Nyack tonight, seven thirty show. Good to see you, Joe. Thanks for coming in, buddy. Thanks for having me. Uh, Just have. Uh, Russell's here. You guys go back a ways? I love Russell. Uh-huh. We do. We actually live around the corner from each other, Is that too. right? Yeah. Sometimes I'll when just... I'm not home, he brings his kid by and they go swimming. <laughs> yeah. Sounds dangerous. And then he comes home off the road and it's like, hey, we're in the pool <laughs> and your fridge is empty. <laughs> That's so... What is this? The comedy neighborhood that you guys are Pretty much. It's a very comedic together? neighborhood. It is, actually. Is there other comics that live in the Who neighborhood? Who does live in our area? Uh, uh, who else is over there? Uh, God, there's a ton of us. No, there's not. If we can't think of any more, there's probably no more. No, there are. There, there's a few. Malcolm Jamal Warner lives on my street. <laughs> is that right? Mm-hmm. I've never seen him. I've seen him once. Do, do you go, Adri- Theo? <laughs> no. And Adrian Barbeau lives on my street. That's fucking fantastic. Wow. I've seen her once, too. She still looks good. She probably good. still looks good. I was going to yeah, say. I yeah, I would. I still would. You can't sure. lose that. Yeah, Yeah. no, those don't go You can no, lose no. it. But, uh, I mean, you can, but that's canceled. I wouldn't expect her to. Yeah. Yeah. Joe, how old's your kid? My son's ten, man. Is that's uh, that's the good age, or is yeah, that that's the age? best age. He's playing yeah. basketball now too. How good is he? He's really good, and I live vicariously through him because mm-hmm. I didn't play any sports. They say that's healthy for a parent. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm the good. I'm the good sports dad. Yeah. I shut up. I let the coach do his thing. Right. I just I love watching. Like I, I start to cry a little bit. Like wow, this is crazy. Cry, My son yeah, is yeah. good. Kids will turn you into a big homo right away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do. There's something just watching him do it. Yeah. It's just like man, this is beautiful. And then I go, where was my dad when I wanted to play sports? <laughs> but it, yeah, it's really cute. Man, he did good yesterday. Four points and uh, one assist. Now that is the weird thing that when you have kids, it makes you think about the way you were parented at the yeah. same time. Yeah, the way my, our parents were. Yeah, the way our parents were. Yeah, I buy my son stuff and then I just sit there and go, "My dad didn't get me shit." <laughs> oh, I never you know got I mean? anything. I, I, my, I, I look at all the stuff my kid gets. Yeah, I, it's funny because I don't buy my kid things that she wants. I buy my kid things that I would have wanted. Exactly. Yeah, that same age, same yeah. thing. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that would have been cool. Yeah, when I take my son to Toys R Us, we're going to Toys R Us. Mm. It's like we're both getting these toys. You I, want a PS4? So does Dad. <laughs> 
We're spending time together yeah. with this game. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> We're bonding. <laughs> uh, it is the weirdest thing. Now, being a comic, are both your kids, have they seen the act? Do they? Mine's only three. Yeah. So she but, just points and goes, Daddy. Yeah. But at a certain point, don't you think it's weird for a kid to see that people come to see their dad talk? Yeah, I don't you know, know if they understand that. I yeah. don't think your daughter does yet. No, but I mean, my son does. He gets it. No, but like it's it, some, but it's still got to not really resonate with him. Kind of like it's got to be like, yeah, it's been the way, that way since I've been a kid, since yeah. I was born. My 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 uh my my routine is basically based on him so mm -hmm. everyone at, at his school and his teachers watch the stuff <laughs> oh, that's so everyone cool. knows him like they call him ting ting and they say all this stuff <laughs> and, 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 and he kind of he's kind of like living this this little uh celebrity life you know because everyone knows that he's part of his dad's routine he going to private school yeah he's going to private school oh, jesus by the way have you seen russell's kid Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Yes, absolutely. Gorgeous. I'm not going to think Russell's going to have a pig for a kid. I don't want that's Russell, not, I don't want Russell to think he had anything to do with it. It's true. Yeah. I got lucky. But I don't also think... This I, came out of my balls. Oh, that, Can you believe that? Yeah. Look at that baby. You know, this is the only thing I, I ever want to see that came out of your balls. But <laughs> Fez, really, look at that kid. Yeah, look at the kid, Fez. Oh, you got to press the button. Oh. Push the yeah. bottom button. Beautiful. Fez didn't even see anything. Fez didn't even see anything. He was lying. looking at your hand. Jesus we just Christ. saw Fez lie. Fez. Aw. Right? Adorable. Yeah, yes. right. By the way, Fez, I, I love the same outfit. Yeah, yeah. I loved you in the Doritos commercials in the seventies. Oh, really? <laughs> I usually get the Pringles. Man. Is that what it is? I don't know if Fez was in the Doritos commercial <laughs> or his mustache was. <laughs> the mustache is actually gaining fame for him so much. I like that it's two toned. Yeah. Well, you you got to be a special person to wear a mustache in pictures. Like yeah. In pictures, it looks great. It, it shows up like a street it, reflector. Right, yeah, like a yeah. beam well, of light. Thing, like a beam of he, light. He, something actually happened to your face, right? Yeah, I, f I passed out in the sun in Florida mm -hmm. with no protection. I'm just going to just say this because not everyone remembers these, but Rufinals. All right, so now <laughs> we're was, Well, usually okay. the people on them don't remember them. Yeah, yeah. no, that is true. Or that decade. But... When the, in the hot Florida sun, my face went to one side, and this side got fried, sunburned, uh. blistered over, and lost the pigment down half of my face. That's why the mustache that's why grows bleached in. white? Wow. Yeah, that's why so, it's pure white. Now, before that, there used to be these like white blotches on your face that used to, yeah. they used to bother you. How'd you fix you. that? He didn't. It just no. kind of... It, it kind of faded. You're like yeah. a lizard. You're regenerated. He really is <laughs> like a lizard. But... The weird thing is now that happens to his hair, which is kind of... Just I don't on the, know, I would on the right side. Very, very yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah isn't Didn't it? Didn't know you could change DNA like that. He a, really is an X-Man. Yeah. It is That's a That's amazing. Way. No yeah. powers, just... No, no, just no. need to change hair no. color. Just the power it's of a magical conversation piece mustache. Yeah. mustache. A magical <laughs> mustache. I, I think is. if curiosity was magical a mustache, power... Magical mustache, right. It's like the Beatles. The magical mustache tour. What's that? The magical mustache tour, like the Beatles did. But you... I don't think it's even easy to grow that kind of a mustache. I mean, I don't think most. I don't think like I could grow one that long. Could I? You, when they you can't. You can. You just don't because it would get annoying. Fez, yeah. usually when people like grow for you, I mean for me too. Yeah. Usually when people grow mustaches like that, their names are Doc. 
and they're really good with guns. Yes. <laughs> That's a good point, Jeff. I'm neither. And the, and, the, and the bright white side actually grows more than the other side. So you're saying the dark side's lazy. I get it, Fess. Oh, racism. I, you know what? I thought I hit it well enough. Yeah, there's racism in the mustache. The facial hair. Yeah. yeah. My the, white side's so hair. efficient. Yeah. The dark side. You know what? It what are you going to do? You know what? It, it takes a comic to bring up these social issues I that society's it. not ready to deal with right now. How is it, it grows? It grows faster on that side. It grows thicker, longer, and faster. All right, yeah. let's oh, not yeah. take away from the dark side. All right. But see, the thing the is... The opposite of sports. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and at one point, the white side will eventually get to the moon. Yeah, well, that's right. Yes. But the left side of his mustache is really good with sports. Yeah. True. Very good with sports. Really good with sports. Yeah. Yeah, that's the side I watch sports with. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? This could we said it was a superpower. It could be two face by yeah. the time yeah. you have a personality mm. on each side. Yeah, it's all. Yeah, one of the guys down the hall actually suggested last Halloween. You really should go as two face. And I'm like, have you seen Two Face? He has a side of his face that is just melted off, and that's what you see when you see me. <laughs> That's well, not your friend, by the way. If no, we ever said that, friend, you know, if we had met you yeah. when your face had melted off, maybe it's a good. Who is this friend? You know Fez? what? Joe is right. Fez, you pick your friends. Don't let them pick you. Yeah, okay. You. From this point on, stop Thank hanging you. out with these people, Fez. Good advice you from know, Joe Coy. You're let, welcome. Let's <laughs> let's walk Joe and Russell down the hall and confront this asshole. Yeah, let's do it. No, yeah. don't let Russell confront anybody yeah. because he'll punch him and then get sued. <laughs> Ask him. When's the last time you hit somebody, Russ? God, two years ago. Punch a guy in front of the Laugh Factory. A receptionist. Oh, it was December? No, this is the last time. He said the last time. Oh, it was Russell. The thing is, you look at Russell and you're like, oh yeah, easy computer geek. I can fight this guy. He knows nothing about computers. Nothing about nothing about Dell customer service. True. Not a lot about boxing. But you know what he can do? Knock the shit out of you. It's true. I swear. He this guy fights and he doesn't know his own strength. Why don't you know your own strength? I know. No, he knows his own strength. He just very familiar with it. He tested on people that don't have strength, like me. Hey, you wanted to wrestle. Yeah. Okay, let's not say that live on the show. <laughs> he's so he's, hot. He was saying, I did jujitsu. I said, I did jujitsu. Then we yeah, won. Yeah, but I didn't know you really do jujitsu. <laughs> I, I, I just watch UFC occasionally. This guy's got me in a fucking chicken wing like, on his bed. Thing, what? Oh, okay, again. That thing. You gotta. You put up a good struggle. He's on like, this. Joe, tap. I'm like, you got my arms <laughs> inside my asshole. How am I going to tap, Russ? You Popsicle Joe. I, Joe, I feel like you've been holding this inside for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad we this can bring is, you uh, on the people's court. That was <laughs> a, he has a, like, a mannequin in his living room. It's a, it's a man. A real man. Yes. And then he just punches it. For no reason. Well, he's 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 training. He, he's. I a just boxer. like to get it out. Wow, yeah. wow. You know, you want to. You don't want it in you. Yeah. And then he and then he punches me. Well, you got to stay. Out I'm not the mannequin. You're you training with Benson Henderson now. No, I was just there. <laughs> you made it look like this is what you're ah, doing. It's called acting. <laughs> oh. No, it's Instagram thing. And scene. <laughs> scene. <laughs> Joe Coy is in studio with us playing Levity Live in West Nyack tonight for a 7:30 show. You better get in tonight because yeah. this weekend thing is that's packed. covered. You guys yeah. can call in. Are you guys and adding for shows show? or what? Yeah. <laughs> And that's Chris Mazzilli's club, the guy yes. that owns Gotham Comedy Club. Yeah, Oak great Levity. people. 
great yeah, people. That's a great fun people. fact. That's fun a fact. fact. <laughs> a lot of people don't know. That seriously. You know what? This, this, hey, one thing about Jeff. <laughs> good facts. You know what? Yep. Jeff is like, uh, it's like a pop-up video show. I love that. what we're doing in here. Absolutely. I just want everyone to know Mazzilli owns that. Back to you, Ron. <laughs> hey, uh, Apple iPhone. Who the fuck is Mazzilli? <laughs> Don't worry about it. Just let you know he owns it. Back to you, guys. Back to the mustache. And Russell Peters will be at Good Night's Comedy Club. I have oh. no idea who owns that. <laughs> well, you know, let me I, tell you. Was it Charlie? Yeah. It's Charlie. It used to be Charlie, uh, used to be Charlie Good Nights. And what happened, Charlie? said good night good night <laughs> well some not remember when kentucky fried chicken between kfc yeah you i used to work at kentucky fried chicken is that right mm-hmm. but you can't Did give you? long enough names to people now they just you just confuse them but so, to, to be old school on the buckets they put kentucky fried chicken on some oh i didn't know yeah. you know in canada it used to be scott, it used to be bucket. called scott's chicken villa that's how we asked to, have to answer the phone <laughs> scott's chicken villa i'm not Seriously? making this up scott's chicken villa and then but on side it would say scott's chicken villa Kentucky Fried Chicken. Hilarious. So now, they were just, they were buying Kentucky Fried Chicken Scott, and then selling it under Scott. his name. It was Kentucky Fried Chicken, but Scott's Chickenville, I guess, was the parent company in Canada. That's like saying you're going to Krispy Kremes and you're just going to a gas station that sells Krispy Kremes. <laughs> yeah, it's the same. It's not the, it's not the same. Somebody was running Why across the border. Why does my donuts taste like unleaded? <laughs> this is petroleum <laughs> jelly. <laughs> this isn't jelly donuts. <laughs> petroleum. And then was Everybody thought Jeffrey was coming with gold, and then we're like, <laughs> <laughs> Good nights, uh, February 6th through the 9th, and then Zany's Comedy Club, owned by Chuck Zany in Nashville, Chuck Tennessee. <laughs> but what I love, Fezzi, is that you just picked it up from where you were interrupted. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. did not restart it. You just went, Good nights, yeah. Comedy Club. Yep. I knew that part. I wanted to make sure I got the dates out. Yeah. The mustache keeps him on point. There are no road hazards in his in his no. straight. Nothing. No. So how long has the mustache been out there? The mustache is a year and two months old. Oh, to... so it's not even that old. Yes. 14 months. Yeah. It's a baby. Do you don't want yeah, to trim it to even it out or anything? Or? No, I just want to see how it's going to go. I like how it's growing into your mouth. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> what? You ever make out with somebody and they, and they go like, your teeth no, are fuzzy. No, he didn't. I've never made out with anyone, Russell. Fez, Fez, he's Fez, never been with anyone. Fez, Nobody. Have no. you ever Male, ate with female, your friends? Nothing. nothing. No. Yeah, I know. Have you, ever, <laughs> have you ever went out with your friends and said, something's in my mouth, and they go, it's your fucking mustache, Fez. There's a hair in my food. Constantly. <laughs> I now have to work with, I now have to drink with straw. Russell just like slipped in the is he gay without asking with the men, women, anything. <laughs> he did a really very casual, very casual. Uh, yes, nothing. Nope. Yes, but that. See, I'm going to ask you guys. But photosynthesis is phenomenal. <laughs> but, but here's the thing about Fez that, yes. I, that we debate all the time. He is in his mind. He came out as gay, yet he still hasn't dated men. Or women. Yeah, so it doesn't really make you gay at that that's point. That's what I, I think. It just makes you asexual. Yeah. That just no, makes I'm you gay. a person. Right. That's you. You're just a person right now. You're right Fez? now, you're a person. You're not. Wait, so when you when you decide what you are, you're not a person anymore? <laughs> you're, I'm you a person. A, no, there's no, no label. He's just a human. Right. Attached to a mustache. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. He's a humanoid. Yeah. He's a humanoid. All right. This is taking <laughs> an ugly turn. He's a human. I was given really nice plugs, too. <laughs> no, the plug, the plug, You've given no plugs to nobody. 
nobody ever. <laughs> I wish. You plug nothing. You know what? Except like, the butt Ru- plug, right? Russell just right. said. We know what he meant. We all knew, Gurian. <laughs> no, hey, it's not a fun fact. That, that was a fun fact. That, that was a fun was fact. fact. Don't take offense <laughs> to that. A compendium <laughs> of facts. <laughs> but he just, you've given no plugs to anyone. No, I haven't. I've never plugged anyone. I've never been plugged. On wow. a scale of <clears throat> zero to ten, what would you say your desire is? To have sex. It men. must have weaned by now. It never existed even when he was younger, no, though. So it's got to have weaned even less. I think it's actually more than it was. I'll put it at a at a six. Wow, that's oh, it's getting there. Yeah. Yeah. What's your age now, Fez? That we don't. He's got a really discuss. big one coming up. Oh, one of the zero 40 ones in March. Oh, oh you come oh. in March. Okay. Don't, be, don't be fooled by the prematurely white mustache. Half, half a century half. coming up. Okay. So here's the thing. At this point. Why bother? That's the question. Yeah. Why bother? Why even bother? Do you yeah. at least do it yourself? Yeah, I do it myself. Okay, well, then that's what are you fine. talking about, Russell? Do it what, like put a finger in his ass? Explain it. <laughs> do, you, do you finger bang yourself? No, does, Is he that mash, what you're does he jerk him? off? Does he jerk off? You know of course what? he jerks off. Well, I, we don't know. Man, just I, to keep your prostate healthy, that's all. I, yes. Your sexuality has nothing Aren't to do with masturbation. You know, you never know. I mean, if he's not touched anybody, maybe he's just not interested in anything. Fez, have you put anything in your ass? That's what Russell's indirectly asking No, that's asking actually you. not what I'm asking. Oh, it um, no, I was just asking if he jerked off. <laughs> My bad. Actually, I'm I asking through Russell Peter's name. <laughs> just jerk off is where I'm going with this. I guess I could whisper it to him. I don't know if he wants to hear the answer. No, I just, you know, you know just, it, it, I've never met anybody who's never touched anybody. Like, <laughs> it's, it, it is a, I, I don't know if it's admirable or it's if, an interesting, you're, if you're... Uh, it's an interesting, interesting And I tell him that that should be... Like, that's a cool way to be able to say, look... You looking at the world differently. Yeah. And one thing about Fez is that he's always worried well, about not being normal. And I go, you should be just the opposite. It gives you so much extra time to accomplish things. Most people's lives are, you know how many hours you waste trying to hook up with people over the years? Oh my it's God. unbelievable, right? If I could get those back. Yeah. You if could I get those it. flights Picture? back and all those purses and shoes back. and what are you trying uh, to why, do? Why are you guys so nervous? Nothing. I just Don't asked if we can take a him. picture of the panel. Joe, what are you doing? Take it over the studio? <laughs> that's, no, that's not... <laughs> Just, just, just get, smile, wait, Fez. But wait, wait, you try to what? get a shot with uh, Fez's mustache, like, kind of in the into peripheral. The picture. I, I feel and like but, I've gone to the yeah. zoo. Could you, you do a thing where... Fez, just lean in. People want to see the mustache. If Fez's mustache looks like it could be Joe's hair, could we line it that way? <laughs> oh, that works good. You may, recognize, you may recognize Joe from uh, V for Vendetta. Come on. I feel like the new black and white panda has been rolled out at Washington, D.C. Ron, get in. No, we're fine. Get your mustache in there a little more. There you go. Hurry up. All right, we're good. That's a good tip. Good. You know, sorry they, about that, that Ron. didn't distract anything. Ron, no. sorry no, about no, no, that. No, no, no. That makes Everyone for great radio, says, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> People at home, you got to look very close to the mic. And Honey, you get in here. They're posing. <laughs> you want to hear this? They're posing on the radio. <laughs> you got to hear them set up this shot. <laughs> you know, let's, back let's, in, re- let's yeah. rewind this part. <laughs> back in the day, Ron and Fraser were the ones that started on-air photography. Yeah. <laughs> Up to that point, no one no, else was done that. Let me show you you know what's right. great for this show? Let me do my mime act real quick. The yeah. audience is going to love this. Um, <laughs> Friday, um, uh, Alan Alda is going to come is in and we're really? paint him. That's awesome. We're just going to sit here and paint. Right. Very quietly. <laughs> no one talks. Just Perfect. a long paint.
raining. Uh, Every right now, now and then you'll hear. Can you pass me a new brush? Uh, right now we're on the nose. <laughs> have you guys ever met Alan Alda before? I have not. Uh, that would be a pretty fascinating man. That'd be a pretty cool gotta be. Just like I did the hour with you, we did an hour with him, and we ended up rather than talking about mash science. The guy is obsessed with science, and he's unbelievably you know, uh, interesting. You know Charles Fleischer, the comic? Yeah. yeah, same thing. Yeah, he's a mathematician. Mathematician. Wow. He's created his own math. He's yeah. He he like that's really where he makes his money is. Wait, he's created his own. No, he he he's, no, he he's solves created... problems and uh, and uh, and theories. No, but he's created like a math. He's what is created it, an like extra this number. It's crazy. You, you gotta see math? it. Yeah, he's just he, got this. He, weird... And how do you get people to do it? That's the thing. Once you no, he, he, he disproves. He disproves <laughs> mathematical what do you theories. Knock on people's doors. And uh, it, equations and stuff. He comes and... to the club with stacks of papers, and now, it's math. Now the weird thing is, you know, that I'm like, aren't you supposed to be a rabbit? <laughs> I, see, I always look at him, and in my head, I'm like, that's Carvelli. Yeah, yeah. I loved Carvelli. And, and the weird back. thing is, like, yep. I mean, you're talking about this genius, but he always played the wacky guy. Yeah, he never played. He's not really playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's he's he's, he's like a there. wacky genius. Yeah, he's yeah. a wacky genius. I'm a great guy. Off stage, he's he's that guy. But he I really was is. asking him about like, hey, if we do what? what uh, I just saw him like about a week and a half ago, and I said. Hey, you done any more uh, theories or anything? He goes, yeah, I just did this one that uh, proves that... Uh, he was trying to break it down. For me. I'm an idiot, so yeah, I don't... You couldn't, yeah, you couldn't follow along, but... No, but it was, was interesting there. when he was telling me, because I was like, holy shit. I just was reading today... But anyone could say anything to you, Russell, and you'll go, holy you shit. Son of a this, <laughs> this physicist <laughs> came up with this thing on life itself, and why, why there is life, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And basically, it comes down to this... If you take some molecules and they sit there and you shine a light on them long enough, they'll just one of their most thoughts move. Yeah, well, they'll turn into <laughs> a rabbit sooner or yeah. later. Before, you know, if you give it enough time, there'll be people fucking pissed at the subway's light. You know what I mean? That's that's all it takes. Yeah, heat plus molecules. Which is, is that cutting any god thing right out? The premise to begin with? You know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big Just the whole concept uh, of inventing yeah. something like math. Like, did you know that the Vietnamese language, somebody told me, was only invented about 200 years ago? Now, how do you do that? How do you invent a language? Well, what did and, they do before then? That's this. what I'm wondering. Yeah, and, and even if you do invent a language, <laughs> how do you get people to start speaking it? You know, what are you, knock on everybody's doors? I know you've been saying this, but try saying it this way. You know what I mean? Here's what how do you invent a language? He works the biggest rooms, but he works, can work very, very small. Very small. Yeah. Just a head nod yeah. as a fucking punchline. That's line. it. That's hysterical. Economizing. It's economizing. I, so you're saying they didn't talk in Vietnam until 200 no, years ago? No, they must have. They had and some other the language. Someone them. told me that the modern Vietnamese language was only invented what? 200 years ago. Have you ever heard that, Joe? I never heard that. I'm you glad you went that? to the Asian guy and asked. But yeah. no. I, I would just, I'm only half Asian. I, I would just I'm like Asian to say too. to Vietnam, oh, yeah. Yeah. now that right. they have a, a language and they understand us, it was a tie. Stop telling everyone you beat us. It was a, <laughs> a tie. tie. Yeah. We had to go home. Yeah. It you, was you time. Because you know they're sitting over there going, we won we that. Beat, uh, yeah. Yeah. We won. No. They, have you been to Vietnam? They yeah. look around and go, fuck was this all about? Yeah, you know, there's, there's not a lot happening there. Yeah, it's, have you performed there, too? I have, yeah. yeah. I got paid in dong. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the currency, dong. Serious dong? Yeah. yeah. 
Russell, Russell told me he went to India, and I was like, was it beautiful? He goes, it was beautiful. It just smelled like human shit. <laughs> Serious? Not everywhere, but there's days. But enough people. There's enough. some days where it's stronger than others. Like the first, like when I, it's funny because people are like, it didn't smell like that. I'm like, it sure as fuck did the one time I went. <laughs> one time I got off the plane, and it was a hot day. Well, it's always a hot day, but <laughs> it was it, it was in Bombay, and, and I guess because it's a fishing they, they were fishing, and yeah. I guess all this fish must have come in to the mm-hmm. harbor or something, and it was mm-hmm. must have been sitting out or something, and somebody must have shit all over it. Because <laughs> it smelled, so it wasn't really the fish. It smelled like shit and fish, oh, um, and it was just nice combination. Like, it was me and Angelo yeah. Sarukas, and we got off the plane, and we're like. Whoa! And it was like, oh my god! Wow. And I like go, right I, away, I, right you, away, yeah. I was like, I did not see this coming. But then when I went back in October, no Beautiful. smell, no smell at all. So you know, I guess it was the day I caught it. Well, I, you know, I've been through Jersey the same way. Some days it's yeah, stinks, some you know, days you're like it's beautiful. That's according to what Chris Christie's willing to do. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> spending all that money on Febreze. But you know, if you've ever been to a Russell Peters show, I always have to say this because it's interesting. It, it's fact. very special. If you've ever <laughs> been to a Russell Peters, I call him the Messiah of comedy because mm. his show is so multi-ethnic and he brings people together from all over the world which is the great power of comedy it's a healing force brings people together and people laugh at each other and at themselves and it's an amazing amazing thing not many people can do that and get away with it and he does it and he, like he imitates yeah. every accent every single accent these days if you imitate an accent people say oh, that's racist but they know that Russell's not coming from that place and it's a very yeah, important thing you know that he does it's yeah, a very important thing that he does his mustache you know this is great this is the exact opposite of a roast you know what I mean everyone always this is a toast what is this is the opposite of a roast this is you should be doing. I should Gathering be doing. comedians and just and, saying wonderful things. And unroast. Jeff is here. No, because I love the power of comedy. I love the power of comedy, the fact yeah. that it has the power to bring people together. You could do it in, in any... There are very few people that can do that. I'm in awe of that. And I like to give people prop, props, props when they deserve prop. it. Well, yeah, I nice. had a... So anyway... You can make very sweet. Did I ever tell you my story about the comic strip? I see you have your book here about it. Yeah. Well, what was your story about the strip? Um... In 2005, I had uh, sold out the Apollo Theater in Harlem. It was on like a... Oh, I was there. You were there? Yeah, I was there that night. Yeah. You were there, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, he so... Was a white guy. You were there. I, was, I sold out... <laughs> I, the, yeah. the, 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 the lines were around, the, and it started late. Yeah, because the Remember audience Remember how late was, it started? Because yeah, the audience was crazy. The lines were around the block. So that was what, like a Friday or something? On the Monday, I went over to the comic strip to go do a spot and the lady first of all I had to beg her to get on <laughs> and she was like alright I'll give you five yeah. so I go on <laughs> and I, you gotta figure in 2005 I'd been doing stand up 16 years yeah and I do my thing you know I get off and uh and I go and she's like uh well I don't usually like my open micers talking to the audience um open micers yeah yeah and she so, kicked you out of the. She was club. like, um, "But if you come back in a couple of weeks, maybe I'll put you on again." Was it Gladys? Yes, it was Gladys. That's so crazy. <laughs> That's Gladys so funny. has been doing. Op- she's been running an open mic show for probably twenty five years. She's she used to be at Hamburger Harry's. Unbelievable. And she told you that, that one. Yeah, and, and you didn't pass the open mic show, but you fill stadiums. <laughs> yeah, I gotta what, tell her that. what right. a half a mile away. Yeah, a and half I, a mile away. And that's why I've never gone back to. You never went back. Never been but that wasn't a regular show. You must have been there at an unusual time, because she only does. What's the, the, op- what's, the, what's the open mic night? Monday. 
Yeah, usually. Yeah. It was a Monday. When Russell Stories plays, you won't find in the book. When Russell yeah. goes and plays a regular comedy club, he's doing the club a favor. It's the craziest <laughs> Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. But I didn't. I didn't want to be like you know. I I I, I did say I I just sold out the Apollo <laughs> I feel, I feel Theater. Stadium. Yeah, I fill stadiums. By the I, way, and at that time I hadn't done any stand, but I was just like I I just sold out. When, when Russell was at Madison met, Square Garden, when you filled that, yeah, it was right. like sixty five hundred people. When 80, Russell, when Russell and I met, people. he took me to Australia. <laughs> Two nights now. He took me to Australia. And that was a vacation, right? No, this no, was, was we were doing before? shows together, and uh, he did the Australia. This is way back. How seven years? It's been a while. Seven years, eight years, and he took me to Australia. I didn't know how big Russell was. Yeah. I knew he was huge. I just knew he was my friend. <laughs> took me to Australia, and we're in the Sydney Opera House, and it's sold out. <laughs> And I'm like, isn't this the thing that they give away on Prices Right? <laughs> and I'm in it. Yeah. Like it was crazy. Like we were in the Sydney Opera House, and this man was killing it, just crushing Australia. We had a great time on that. Too. Yeah, man, we had fun. That was well, the Australians <laughs> love you, man. We Most generous out. comic in the game. This guy gave me a watch at the end of the tour. And then he threw gave it out. Me a tag Hoyer. Yeah, he, he threw it, it he out. Threw it out. We're at the end of the show, guys. Thanks so much. Are for you serious? In. We're yeah. gonna do this again. That went so fast. No, I want we're one more. Do I want more. Can I? Can I plug something? Yeah, plug away. Come on. At Joe Coy. J O K O Y. I'm taking all the time. <laughs> that's Fez's thing. You know, oh, that's mine. Sweet, and he's oh, going to be okay. at Levity Live in West Nyack tonight at 7.30. Russell Peters at Good Nights Comedy Club, Raleigh, North Carolina, February 6th through the 9th. Gladys doesn't work there, so we'll get plenty of time. <laughs> Zadie's Comedy Club, Nashville, February 13th through the 16th. Hey, how about me? At Jeffrey Gurian. On Twitter and ComedyMattersTV.com. It's all locked in. We'll cool. see you guys back and in interestingfacts.com. That's the end of my show. Dog. It's the best of Ron and Fez. On Raw Dog. Serious XM. Comedy. It's